Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am so ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Let's go! Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Wasn't I loud, baby? May the honchos be with you. Yes, truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert holding down the board here on Long Island in the great state of New York, baby. It's time to bring on your favorite honcho and mine from the great state of Maryland. Mr. Robert Cutie! Greetings and salutations, everyone. I hope you you didn't catch the the slurpage. I took a big swig of coffee right before we were to go on, and I it was probably too close to the microphone. Well, what are they going to say when I start sucking on this lollipop? Hey, now. <laughs> All right, one minute into the show, we're already talking about sucking. Are you sure I sound okay? I feel like I'm, I sound a little echoey. With my you're, new microphone configuration. You're good, buddy. I got you good here, so. All right. Well, before we go any further, today is Wednesday. It is May the 4th, and you know what that means. What does that mean, Mr. Cooney? <gasps> That's right. It's Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you, everybody. Let's just, let, let's just groove out to this for a second. Breaking some sort of copyright law. That's okay. And I'll just fade it out. So for the can, love of God, fade out on that, please. We can discuss. Okay. Not a Star Wars fan, were you? <laughs> yes, I, I. Well, I, I'm a Star Wars fan. Yes, I am. Not okay. of not of the recent Boba Fett series. No, not of the, especially the end of the Boba Fett series with the whole. Michigas and the little fake Yodi looking dude. Oh, but God. I am looking forward to the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Uh, the, the latest trailer looks pretty, pretty good. As long no, as I, they, haven't, I have not it? seen the trailer, but I know that. Uh, oh, buddy. Rick it's it's a, it's a movie in itself. Right. And I assume they're, they're going to drag uh, Hayden Christensen back for. Well, the, the only. They covered the Anakin story, right? Well, the only thing you see so far is them, you know, snapping on his backpack, plugging right. in some kind of thing, adjusting a couple of buttons and something, and then you hear the. <gasps> <laughs> so it sounds like some of my neighbors in Ingleside. Yeah. And they strap into their iron lungs. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, no, it looks good. As long as they keep uh, Boba Fett out of it and that little green guy, I'm okay. Um, I did you watch the. Uh, uh, the the uh, animated rogue, the rogue squadron, uh huh, that was fantastic. Mm. I didn't watch any of the other animated series, right? But I found that one to be uh, pretty pretty. Well, I'm in a very, I'm in a Larry David kind of mood here. Right you now. are in a Larry David sort of mood. Um, <laughs> but, but that's so enough about me. What about you, Mr. Cuny? You sound you're, like you're a Star Wars fan. 
you're anti Boba Fett, but you're okay with the Mandalorian. Up until uh, uh, minus episode six in season one, everything of season two, I didn't like what I saw at the end of Boba Fett with the Mandalorian in it. It was basically like two episodes of the Mandalorian in Boba Fett, and oh. um, I'm I'm just, I mean, it's a, it's a little puppet, and it's it's starting to get on me. Well, I, I was a big Star Wars fan. I mean, obviously, you and I both, uh, we were in elementary school in the first trilogy was released so everything i was just telling my students this today i have in my classroom now i have a lightsaber and a little boba fett stuffed animal thing and a poster but i used to have all the toys all the tchotchkes every birthday every hanukkah that's what i wanted as a gift and then of course i got rid of it all because you know you don't know as a kid to hold on to things there's no sentimental value when you get to a certain age and I was telling people before I had to work in the summertime, you know, back when summer vacation meant something, when you could just fool around for 10 weeks before school started, I was such a fan that I had the, um, you know, the Star Wars action figures. And one of them was, of course, a Han Solo. And I would recreate the Han Solo being frozen in carbonite by Jabba the Hutt by taking my Han Solo, putting it into a Tupperware dish, filling it with water, and then putting it in the freezer. Nerd! I know. I know. Well, at that age, that's okay. I had a, if well, you were doing it now as a grown hurts. man, I would say, yeah, might need yeah. some counseling. I had a vivid imagination and few friends. But, hey, you know, I managed to survive. And look at you now. Look, look, at, at, how, look at how successful you are. Hey, Rob, I'm going to ask you a question. Can you just tilt that mic, maybe just point it up straight a little bit there? Yeah, yeah, do that. See what happens. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we've... um. We want to apologize. These last couple of shows have been a little difficult for us to get back in the saddle here. <laughs> it's it's the never-ending battle against this microphone. <laughs> now it just sounds a little hot, but whatever. You, you're the mix master. Yeah, no, mix- I, I think because you that's a condenser microphone, and because you have it tilted with the top towards your mouth right now, it's not picking up the full throttle Is it now? of the CUNY, you know, vocal can you, ability. Can you hear yeah. me? I, I think okay. if you if you just straightened it out a little bit, it'd be a little better. Yeah, well, that's Ladies and gentlemen, what, welcome to the Hunt Shows. We are recreating the uh, audio technology uh, technical difficulty had when, when Darth Vader was being introduced yes. in the first scene, getting his helmet on, and James Earl Jones was in the uh, the booth. Yep. And, uh, but here we are. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. It's our salute to Star Wars and our salute to all things Larry David. Maybe later in the show we might get a little more, another taste of Lawrence David. Oh, I, I look forward to that. Maybe. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Don't but anyway, um, May the 4th, oh. it's all over the place. Uh, my buddy uh, Mark Hamill's out there tweeting today. I saw him doing that. Uh, lots of good memories. So, uh, besides freezing a hand solo figure in water, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have carbonite. Yeah, well, yes, no, well, it's very tough to find. We, we grew up in a. It's very neighbor. tough to find in this galaxy, yeah. Rob. Right. <laughs> but um, what what's one of your your favorite Star Wars mem- memories? Wow, there's so many of them. Well, uh, watching, seeing how many times I could watch Empire and Jedi. I, I was old enough to go to the theater for the first. Star Wars for A New Hope, but I didn't, uh, I only saw that once. Mostly I saw it later on in life. I saw it once in the theaters, but when by the time Jedi and certainly, or Empire and Jedi came along, it was how many times could I go 
see it in the theater and not get sick of it and compare it with my friends how many times we'd gone to see it. And then the pure excitement I felt when um, the seventh one, I guess, the J.J. Abrams one came out and it Han Solo and Chewbacca were on the screen. And it's, it's part of the new movie. And that was, that was also very exciting. So, Excellent. Yeah. There's been two trailers, two movie trailers I've seen that have actually given me a chill and got me emotional. One was that one. The other one was for uh, the last Spider-Man movie. Which I didn't really care for. Yeah, I know. It's okay. And your favorite movie out of all of them? <sighs> Still Empire. Yeah. It was for me. It was Empire Two until Rogue One came out. Oh well, if you're going to count those, yeah, Rogue One was very. Why, good. why wouldn't we? It's part of the Star Wars universe. Part of the canon, as they say. Yeah, Rogue One. I would say Empire, Rogue One, and then the rest just kind of fall in place. If they had done a not quite so warm and fuzzy ending for Return of the Jedi, um, that would have been probably better because the first part of that's great. Then it kind of gets too family friendly toward the end. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a special surprise for all of you today on May uh, May the 4th be with you today. And for the next 20 minutes, we're going to play some of the best lines from Jar Jar Binks. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, don't turn it off. Don't turn us off, ladies and gentlemen. It's only joke. Please, for heaven's sake, stay with us. All right, buddy. Stay with us. So there we go. You got anything else you want to talk about Star Wars? No, I'm kind of done with that. You know, um, just it's a interesting. I don't know how long this May Fourth celebration stuff has been around, but you know, when you work at a high school, it's just nice to know that there are still kids that know what Star Wars is beyond the last three movies. Did anybody come in today dressed as a, uh, a uh, Jawa? Uh, there were a lot of no. There were a lot of t-shirts, a couple hoodies. Uh, a colleague of mine dressed head to toe as. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Really? Yeah. Lightsaber, robe, the whole thing. Except wow. for the shoes, of course. The lightsaber too, huh? Yeah, well, you know, the fake plastic one. The, the telescope oh, that's plastic cool. lightsaber. Yeah, again, like carbonite, a real lightsaber is hard to find. <laughs> now, well, they, I, uh, they got them. You know they got them somewhere. Well, Area my old 51 boss, or something. My old boss at my first, the first school I worked at had... Not a real lightsaber, obviously, but it was one that was more high-tech than the plastic telescoping ones. It actually lit up, and when it moved, it made the sounds that the lightsaber makes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I have one of those, too. When you turn on it, 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 it the light appeared, and it you know, made that ring sound that it makes when it turns on, and the cutting through the air sound. It was great. Of course, I did zippy justice with the sound, but you know, you've seen the movie. You know what a lightsaber sounds like. Gotcha. I do. I do. But uh, when you when you're done with the episode tonight, okay, or tomorrow morning, or at the, your next convenience, mm-hmm. search for the latest Obi Wan Kenobi trailer. It looks fantastic. I will write that down now with my Andy pen. Obi Juan trailer. So it takes place. It's for Cinco de Mayo. Obi Juan. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and there's no way you can turn your lightsaber microphone straight, can you? No, again, see, this, we did this before. This is why I didn't want to mess with the microphone. It, it, this is where it is. I can't. <laughs> it was better before I messed with it. 
even before he went on the air. I should have just left it with this stupid cord making all well, this Well, I mean, if, if, if we got another minute here to try and fix it, uh, instead of you talking like this for the next three hours. Uh, if I'm talking cool. like this for the next three hours, something has gone very wrong. <laughs> you going to jiggy with it? What is it that you want? Me just to- want you to point straight up. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. But it, then I have to lower it. Yeah. You're going to have to because you know what? The audio quality is going to be a lot better. And then we're back to square one with the cord. Yeah, that's fine. But don't just don't touch the cord because your voice sounds so much better now. And that's more important to me and all the Honchos fans out there. Hold on. We're holding. That's going to. You're good. Let that, now talk to me, buddy. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. It's worth it. It was That was so much worth Flipping it back around, Bell. Sure. So let's start the show over. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, buddy. It's May Technology the 4th. Is our friend. May the 4th. <laughs> what episode are we up to here on the uh, the Honcho Day Sports? It's, it's 59. Nice. Episode 59. Ooh. So. And you know what it's time for. Who wears it on their head? Yeah, I'm glad that I send these things to you before the show. I know, I'm and just joking around. I even write out who wore it best. Episode 59, who wore it best? That's right. And today's, I don't know, winner, tribute, whatever. Um, not a Hall of Fame football player and probably not going to be a Hall of Fame coach. But yes, it's one Ronald Eugene Rivera. Oh, nice. Number 59 for the Chicago Bears. Won himself a little thing we like to call a Super Bowl. But more importantly, he is the Rob Cuny man crush du jour because really? he is the head coach of the Washington Wolfskins, Commander Skins. Oh, that all makes sense now. Redskins, what have you. Um, and he had a, a solid NFL career. You know, he played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl ring, played for nine seasons. Um, meh, you know, was actually – Better as a coach, more won awards, won more awards as a coach. But nine because, years, but a championship. Yeah, because he's Ron Rivera, and because he's just a guy that I can't get enough of as our coach. I chose him. Are as you being as who wore it best? No, I'm sorry to interrupt you, because you've yeah, been doing this for a long time, and I know you're a fan of the team that plays in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Are you being sincere when you're saying you're a fan of him, not only as a player, but yes. you actually like him as a head coach? I never, I don't, as a player, I don't, I mean, I just remember we, the Skins playing the Bears in their heyday, and those were always good battles, but as a player, I don't remember much about him, because I'm not a Bears fan, but as a coach, he's just someone that, you kind of buy into what he's selling and preaching with the team, and you believe him, and he inspires confidence, and he's just, yeah, you know, cancer survivor, and you look at it, you look at him on the sideline, and nothing seems to bother him, so, he's kind right. of a good face of the franchise, we've got on the one hand, you know, Dr. Evil, and then on the other hand, you've got, well, you know, Mike Myers, you've got Austin Powers. And so when you don't, you can sort of forget what's going on off the field because you have the portrait of stability and grace on the field with Ron Rivera. And how long is uh, old Ronnie's contract? Five years. So this is year number three, which is All right, good. It's going to be hanging crit- around for a while. A critical year. So uh, for the video clip, we actually actually have to play a couple of them here. Um so, first of all, we all remember, make sure I've got the right screen up here on the old roadcaster. We all remember this immortal clip from Dan Snyder. I'm going somewhere with this, although I love any excuse to play this clip. 
Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So he was he said that immortal happy Thanksgiving everyone as he was introducing uh, Ron Rivera at his press conference in January of 2020. And so recently, this is one of the clips I'm going to play. Recently, when Ron Rivera was introducing Carson Wentz as uh, the new commander's starting quarterback, here's how he opened his press conference. Happy Thanksgiving. Awesome. Awesome. An awful lot has happened since uh, since Thanksgiving and just wanted to get an opportunity to introduce our, our, our new quarterback. So I thought that was great when he said, all right, happy Thanksgiving. And, of course, it was, it was just as awkward and landed just as well when Dan Snyder did it. <laughs> Neither one of these guys are doing any shows at the Chuckle Hut anytime soon. But, you know, at least Ron Rivera has a good sense of humor. So the actual clip that I wanted to play, um, and this is something that you got to be a real NFL nerd to appreciate. But I, I'm sure other uh, teams do this on their social media pages. But what the, the skins do is they play the clip of the coach in this case, Ron Rivera, calling the players that he's drafted when they draft them so you can hear what that exchange sounds like. Because when you watch the draft, you see players on their phones getting the call, and they get all excited, and there's hugs with the families and everything else. But you don't really get to hear what that conversation is. And so the most celebrated pick around here, the pick that has everybody all excited around here, is the pick of North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell in the fifth round. So I have, uh, and this is not a gag, this really is the call between Rivera and Howell. And it's not particularly exciting it's just kind of cool to kind of be on the inside with that one cool hello sam how how you doing it's ron rivera the washington commanders how you doing i'm good coach how are you you hanging in there yes sir i am all right well listen you know we're up on the clock right now we want to take you with this pick coming up first pick in the fifth round yes, all right. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, folks. You no. won't grab up I know. Hey, I know we're not going to. We expect good things, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Coach. We're going to be reaching back out to you a little bit later after they announce your name, all righty? All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Good. Talk to you later. And you can hear a little bit of emotion in uh Very little, though. Oh, I would have to say very little. Yeah. But there's clearly a little bit of a little, little frog in the throat there, just a bit. Now, some guys, you know, you can hear the blubbering over the phone, but, you know. It's still, it, I, I like it. Again, you have to be kind of an uber nerd about these things to enjoy that. But as I always say when we do this segment, uh, highlights of football players, baseball players, whomever, doesn't really translate well to an audio medium. No, hey, look, you, you do a bang-up job with this segment. I, I love this segment. And I like where you went with this because uh, I also like the inside, the behind-the-scenes uh, kind of stuff as far as uh, the draft. I've seen this... Uh, I really enjoyed it last year when, uh, not last year, but the season, the summer before. Yeah, I guess it will be last year. When uh, Lafreniere was uh, drafted number one by the Rangers, and they showed it afterwards, and it was pretty awesome. But it's um, hearing the players' uh, reaction, it's kind of like a thin line between being very professional. He's probably in shock. He can't believe this happening. And and then he's probably also got to somehow find a way to hold his emotions. I'm sure when he hung up that phone. He, he went nuts. nuts. Yeah. Well, exactly. and plus, in his case, if he's a fifth rounder, there's also a profound sense of relief because you're sitting there now. It's the third day of the draft, and this was someone who projected to go at one point in the first round, maybe early in the second round. Here he is, still hanging around in the fifth round, and so to be drafted uh, at all at this point, you're just relieved. So yeah. we see, we when you, when they show it on TV, you see after the phone call, so they've had a second to process it. But yeah. You don't get the experience of 
getting the call, not knowing he's on the phone. And that's the first time, not when the pick is announced by Goodell, but when the, or whomever, whatever sport is, but when the coach or the general manager who makes the call, calls the player and says, you're going to XYZ team. Now, let me ask you, as a yes. Washington football new expansion team fan, um, do you like the pick? I like that pick. Um, you know, we can we can get more into this later, but I think the draft was underwhelming for well, we'll hold the, the, the whole draft talk for later, obviously. But I'm just asking you, since this is the Ron Rivera who wore mm-hmm. best episode, and this is the guy you chose, are you happy at least with that pick? Yes, and I'm not going to – with that pick, yes, because that was – we needed to draft a quarterback despite having Carson Wentz, and he's a fairly exciting uh, – I, I should say not exciting – the potential uh, to have a solid, if not spectacular, NFL career exists for Sam Howell. And I don't want to, again, step on what I'm going to talk about later, but after I initially thought that our draft was kind of a meh minus, and then I had a chance to step back and reflect for a few days, and I've kind of come around to what they were doing a little bit, even if it was underwhelming in terms of the the sizzle of the players. Well, I'm looking forward to that, because I was going to ask you how you uh, how you felt the draft went, and, uh, and we'll get into that a little later. But that's good stuff. Any any more about Mr. Rivera? Nope. Just, that's you it? Know, you know, coach nothing like his Panthers. hobbies or anything? or He made it to the Super Bowl once, you know. Uh, he's a guy who either wins a lot or he loses a lot of games. There really is no – until he got here, there really was no in-between. He's not a 500 guy. Either he goes like 12 and 4, 15 and 1, or his teams go 4 and 12 or 5 and 11. So, but he has, you know, back-to-back seven-win seasons in these parts, in this neck of the woods – that's like Lombardi territory. That's Joe Gibbs territory, <laughs> you know, relatively speaking. So, you know, great guy. I hope he uh, sticks around. I hope he wins. Um, but, you know, he he works for Washington. He works for Dan Snyder. So it's gonna, not well, going to – Well, I think not just gonna, that alone shows a lot of character. Yeah. Well, he has completely compartmentalized um, the on the field from the off the field. Sometimes to a fault where it's it's – gets a little silly um but he does manage just to focus on the on the on the field stuff which does take people's minds off what a disaster the owner is all right and once again it's episode just, uh, this episode 59 yep all right well good so, stuff there mr cuny he wore it well we yes, wear it we best can't promise you, we can't promise you a 60 but we gave you a 59 that's true well said uh that's one of the um we don't have one of those people that talk really fast with the Side effects things. Right? Well, the disclaimers. Yeah. Yes. Yes, the disclaimers. But we got all right. Comes with a disclaimer. All right, pal. All right, <laughs> get your mirrors out, get your blades out, because it's time for headlines that make it through line. Right here. We don't oh. encourage you. To Tonight, then, Mr. Cody. All right, I got three. One, two, three. Three stories for you. Uh, let's see. Number one headline: Video of city worker in underwear oh, getting a massage in front of employees oh, prompts no. investigation. You think? Oh, you think no. that last part of the headline prompts investigation was necessary? If a city employee is getting a massage in front of other employees, I think there's going to be an investigation. 
Uh, New Jersey. What a surprise. This is from uh, NewJersey.com. It sounds like a made-up website. A five-minute video, five minutes, that shows Trenton's health officer in, an, in her underwear receiving a massage in a conference room in front of other employees, according to a councilwoman, has triggered an investigation the city by the city and is being reviewed by the prosecutor's office. A since-deleted Instagram video forwarded to New Jersey Advanced Media shows Yvette Graffy Cooper wearing only a bra and panties as a woman uses a massage device a massage device to treat the health officer's shoulders, arms, back, legs, and stomach for cellulite reduction. I'm still waiting for why this is done in front of the people. The video was recorded in a second-floor conference room with the City Department of Health and Human Services on North Broad Street, according to City Councilwoman Robin Vaughn. Vaughn did not know when the video was taken, however. A date on the screen recording shows February 24th. In the video, Graffy Cooper is wearing a bra and shorts while the masseuse uses an electric wand on her neck and shoulders. At other points in the video, Graffy Cooper is wearing only her bra and underwear and is seen laying on her back on a massage table while employees sitting at a conference table watch. Again, why? Was it, it wasn't immediately clear if the masseuse, whose services include body sculpting and cavitation, I have no idea what that is, or oh, cellulite reduction, according to her Facebook page, was paid for or hired her. In other videos posted on the business's social media account, customers are seeing their underwear getting this treatment. Uh, Graffy Cooper has been employed by the city for 19 years and declined to comment when reached by New Jersey Advanced Media on Friday. Uh, and then as soon as the city became aware of the video, the health director uh, began an administrative investigation. Tim Carroll wrote in an emailed statement, said, as this is a personal matter, the city reserves comment at this time. No word, again, on why it is that it was done in a conference room. My concern is that it took place in a government building during business hours, Vaughn told New Jersey Advanced Media. The company was providing services not vetted by the government. I imagine not. It puts employees at risk. There's a whole level of issues along with civil rights violations. Potentially, you have employees sitting there or subordinates. Were they forced to sit there? Even if they weren't, did they raise an issue? Were they retaliated against? These are all things that need to be asked to the administration. In a letter she sent to Acting Attorney General Matt Platkin on Wednesday, Vaughn wrote, I demand that you act expeditiously to address this illicit and immoral behavior displayed in that video by a state-licensed municipal health officer in front of her employees. Again, no word by anyone as to why employees were watching this woman getting a massage. Now, were these tugboat employees or were these uh, uh, window-washing employees? What kind of employees were they? I, that was unclear also. Were they the kind of employees that Robert Kraft visits? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, 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 this sounds like, you know, a, a regular old above board massage. It's just it's weirdly done in a conference room in front of other employees. I guess uh, whatever they're doing is pretty boring. So that's come up with something to keep them busy. And that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm just a little disappointed I wasn't there. Was Chris Christie involved? Is he still even? Oh, part- now you now you name and dropping names here and stuff. I don't know if that's correctly impolite. Is he still even part of New Jersey politics? I have no idea. I maybe, don't know. Maybe there's a bridge you can close down. Oh, cheap shot. Oh, cheap shot. Well, good luck and uh, hope they get some overtime. Ah, so to speak. Where's the bell? Hey, where's the bell? Oh, sorry. There you go. Thank you very much. Time, so to speak. <laughs> All right, and we move from NewJersey.com to the also strangely and possibly fraudulently named Boston.com. Oh, it's real, baby. Headline, police, man took off his pants and underwear on red line train, committed lewd act. Uh, This happens all the time. Yeah. 
It's not uh, a headline. M- that's that's M- old M- news. MBTA Transit Police are asking for the public's help identifying a man who they say removed his pants and underwear on a red line train last week and committed, quote, a lewd act. The alleged incident took place on 10, 50, around 10.50 a.m. on April 21st when police said the man boarded a train at Ashmont Station. Upon taking a seat, the male subject removed his pants and underwear, laid down, and began to commit a lewd act, police said in a statement. This was done in full view of the other passengers present. No, no word whether or not he got a massage as well. Um, the shared photo of the man's bare legs stretched across the train seats, as well as images of the fully clothed suspect in the station. Uh, anyone with information about the location or identity of the man is being asked to contact the Department of Criminal Investigations Unit or text the number to share an anonymous tip. <laughs> I get it. Anonymous <laughs> tip. <laughs> if I ever had my own porn site, that would be the name of it. Anonymous tip. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Yeah, well, it's good. Like I said, that happens every other half hour if you ride the subways here in uh, New no. York. So, and plus, you know, the subway rides can get long and tedious, and uh, you got to do something, I guess, to pass the time. It seems so, to be, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's it looks like it's a thrilling place to uh, get a little excitement, I guess. And and for my last story, you know, in addition to everything else that's happening this week, May Fourth, Star Wars Day, Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Uh, it's also Teacher Appreciation Week, so you know. If you hey, know I just want to tell you something. I appreciate uh, you, don't, you. You don't appreciate. I appreciate you, Mister Q. So this story is in honor of Teacher Appreciation Week, and it's something that I. You see this story, and it's almost like a joke because it's so outlandish, and it keeps happening, despite well-publicized incidents where this has happened before, and the reaction is always the same. Uh, The headline, it made me feel bad to be a black person. Teacher under fire for cotton cuffs in class on slavery. Oi. What? 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 Can you read that headline back again, Mr. Cooney? Yes, this is from, um, uh, I don't know where. It's from Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Rochester, New York from the AP. Uh, It made me feel bad to be a black person. That's the headline. Colon, teacher under fire for cotton cuffs in class on slavery. And again, this is not the first time this has happened, and the reaction is always the same, and yet these teachers keep trying it. Okay, can I I pause? Please, please jump in. (laughs) So read the headline again. Mm -hmm. One more time slowly. The the start of it. It You'll you'll, You'll understand why. It made me feel bad to be a black person. Colon. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So you're reading the colon yes. symbol? You're reading the colon because symbol. It, because it, Okay, it, because now you understand if you're listening to this. Now read it again. It doesn't it doesn't sound like you just run it all together. Maybe feel bad to be a black person teacher under fire for cotton cuffs and class on slavery. Well when you said colon, mm-hmm. I went right to, you know, somebody's colon. Oh, you went right to Elvis? Elvis yeah. is on colon? Oh, exactly. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Rochester's school officials are investigating <laughs> allegations that a white teacher, and of course it's always a white teacher. And, Comma. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was, I needed to read the grammatical break between words. Don't ordinarily read the stage directions. It's just sometimes it's appropriate. Period.
that's enough. <laughs> you know, I, I have no way to turn Paul's microphone off, so <laughs> I have to wait until he passes out from laughter. <laughs> okay, I'm all right. I'm like, Dad, what's that little creature? Are you hang out with Boba Fett? <laughs> you would just sit there and laugh. <laughs> you remember Princess Leia? And the guy Hamill comes down, Skywalker or something. Of course. <laughs> he came to save that little figurine that you tried to breathe in your <laughs> That was Han Solo. He wasn't just, you know, some sort of hyena-like figure. Uh, no, but you remember, he, the guy that used to sit next to Jabba the uh, Yes, hut. and all he, did, all he did was cackle. Yes! yes. There you go. All right. Continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. You sure? <laughs> You know, as I say it, you know, we, we talked about underwear, massages, underwear, subway masturbation, and left, you know, the serious story to follow up on those two stories. Rochester school officials are investigating allegations that a white teacher told his class of mostly black students to pick seeds out of cotton and put on handcuffs during lessons on slavery oh, in a seventh grade social studies class. It made me feel bad to be a black person, student uh, John Mier, I think that's how you pronounce her name, O'Neill told news outlets. The teacher had been put on leave, <laughs> only only leave. While the school system investigates the allegations, they came to light after an appalled parent posted on Facebook that her daughter was confronted with the cotton-picking lesson on Tuesday. He made a mockery out of slavery, the mother, Precious Tross, who also goes by Precious Morris, told the outlets later. I don't have a problem with you teaching our kids about slavery and what our ancestors went through and how they had to pick cotton, she said. Our teachers back in the day told us that, but they don't bring in cotton and make you pick cotton seeds out of cotton. School officials haven't identified the teacher. Teachers Union President Adam Urbanski told WXXI AM. Uh, if someone departs from what they should be doing, they should suffer the consequences, but due process has to be allowed first. Tross and Vialma Ramos O'Neill, who is Jamir's sister, said the teacher let white children refuse to take part in the cotton picking while not letting kids of color opt out. Oh, so another problem. It's not just the exercise, but making the kids of color do it, but the white kids don't have to do it. I immediately was like, oh, I'm not doing that, said Morris's daughter, Janaza Brown. And then he was like, do it. It's for a good grade. Oh, threats and intimidation, that gets you far. On another occasion, the teacher brought in handcuffs and shackles, according to the students. Are you said, fucking kidding me? Daughter balked at putting them on. The teacher threatened to send her to the principal's office or to the school counselor. The parents are calling for the teacher's firing and for his teaching license to be revoked. School principal Kelly Nicastro <sighs> the parents in the letter that school leaders take these allegations very seriously, and a statement from the school board, school board called them extremely troubling. In a district of black and brown students, it is important to be sensitive to the historical framework by which our students are engaging in learning. Board President Cynthia Elliott said about half of the School of the Arts students where this took place are black. So, again, we've seen this for years. Good intentions, bad intentions, doesn't matter. It's just, you, I don't know how you you run it through your head. Here's a good idea. Let's, you know, reenact slavery and not go, what am I, an idiot? But yet, teachers do it. These stories become highly publicized, and then teachers keep doing it. And we know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So, and where, where was this again? Rochester, New York. So happy oh uh, my teacher appreciation god. week, everybody. Oh my god, that's too close. That's just too close and it, for me. It's not, and it's not just the 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 handcuffs and the picking of the cotton. It's the threatening the students for not doing it. It's the saying that only the white kids are able to opt out, but the kids of color can't. I. It's just so many. There's so many layers of stupidity 
and uh, and the principal says we're investigating. I would just say, you know what, you're done. There's no investigation. Exactly. Process, not you're fired. Well, I Get- guess in this country you do need due process. It could have been made up or whatever, but that's uh, one, that's uh, one a hell of a reach. Yes, but still, I, I just I, I don't understand. Even if it was the first time that anyone had done this, how you what go what the thought process is when you say this will be a fun lesson. I mean, you talk about it, you explore the horrors of slavery, you show pictures, read documents, but you don't reenact it. White, black, or otherwise, you just don't reenact it. It's just, I don't know. As a teacher, that would never occur to me to, to do anything like that. First of all, it would never occur to me to reenact anything from history. It seems awfully awkward and uncomfortable, you know, racist or not. But that... In a school where half the student population is not white? Are you crazy? Kind of makes, hey, everybody listening out there. I don't know about you, Mr. King, but, you know, me and you are the same age, and my neck is hurting me so much from just shaking my head these days. It's just constantly shaking my head going, are you fucking kidding me? (sighs) Well, look, we can't. There's seemingly, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say, there's seemingly... I mean, I'm not just talking about this incident, but the instant, the incidences that you speak of, where we just shake our heads, you just think, you know, these people seem rather well adjusted. They do this. What? It's just it, it, all you can do is, is shake your head. You just you can't figure out what goes through the human mind. Well, there you go. I mean, as you're, you're saying this story, I'm saying, you go, how did this person get this job? I mean, how does how did, how do they get there? And then, unfortunately, though, a lot of people get to certain positions, and then they do these things. And like I said, my neck is hurting me from shaking my head so much. Well, and this and this is certainly not a defense or a justification, but just to kind of address what you said there, I think when you're new as a teacher, you're very conservative. You know, you toe the line, you don't do anything, you try not to do anything in the classroom that might raise eyebrows, you try not to be sarcastic and, and so on, and you don't really let your personality show through it's all about the material and being a team player. And then as you start to teach more and you get comfortable, you can start to veer away and kind of carve out your own style. Not that you should carving out your own style does not mean you should reenact slavery. But when you ask, how do they get these jobs? You know, they get the, they, they get the job by, you know, a good interview and they seem like a good hire. And then they get settled, they get comfortable and say, well, I can spread my wings now. I've done this job long enough. I know what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. And you know, you get this. <clears throat> That's there should be somebody a full time job where you say, Okay, here's my lesson plan. I'm gonna reenact and they just do this. <clears throat> as soon as you say reenact, they just give you the buzzer and say, No, that lesson plan stinks. Try again. <laughs> There's so many people to blame here. Yep. We just don't have the time. We don't have yep. the time. But uh we can we can't uh, end this segment it is uh teacher appreciation week, so uh we gotta give you a little song there, Rob, for you. Okay. I blame Elon Musk. Well, why not? <laughs> why not? He did. So, just look, uh, this song is uh, for you, Mr. Cuny. But it's not the original version. Okay. The- What's that? This is the Paul Cuthbert version? No, 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 no. Okay. No, it's not. Uh, this is a very special version for you because I figured you'd probably appreciate this more than anything than the original version. This is the very cheesy um, network version 
from the show Glee. Oh. Now, I can't believe that they actually tried to clean this song up for the show. <laughs> what do you think of yes. that? Is it even called Hot for Teacher? Uh, yes, it's called Hot for Teacher. Okay. Here we go. Let's, here's a sample. Wait a second, man. What? what do you think the teacher's gonna look like this year? <laughs> Whoa! Hey, Whoa. Oh. oh yeah! I guess they're in a residence at the MGM. All right, that's enough. It's, uh, so let me just real quick on, on the song "Hot for Teacher," which is a great song, but what always baffled me is toward the end where. David Lee Roth is talking to the other band members as if they're in school. And he says, I've got my pencil. And then he says, I think the clock is slow. I don't feel tardy. That makes no sense. It should be the clock is fast. I don't feel tardy. Because if the clock is slow, you would feel like you were on time. Yeah, but dude, that's that's the beauty and the art of rock and roll songwriting, at least back then when it was really good. Because it makes it just... Sometimes it's that old try to put a square in a round hole thing. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, and, I yeah. think every you, but everybody gets what he's getting at. Yes, I understand, it, especially when I listened to it as a high school student originally. But then, I, you know, as the years go by, I'm like, hmm, this kind of sticks in my craw a bit. As the years go by. On the other hand, the double bass drum action by Alex Van Halen. God, that's he never gets enough credit. For being one of Rock's great drummers. Well, I tell you what, I've I've had uh, we have a Van Halen tribute that we we throw out there every once in a while, and um, we've got three 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 drummers. Unfortunately, my buddy Mike uh, unfortunately passed away recently. He was one of the guys who would play in the, in the band. But to watch him and uh, Tommy's another guy, and Mike was another guy who uh, two Mikes actually. Sorry, um, but to watch these guys play that. Is fantastic because, like you know, that's that's obviously the big thing. Everybody wants to hear that, and that intro, with all the great Van Halen songs that they've had, all the great guitar solos, all the great song titles, all the great albums, the two lead singers, and everything else. There's just something that's um, that probably. I mean, you look at those three songs from that album, 1984, Panama, Jump, and Half a Teacher. You know, and that was their last album with Roth, which is when you think about it. And those three songs, but especially Half a Teacher and Jump, are their biggest commercial. Actually, they're not their biggest commercial successes because they had that with Sammy. But as far as th- those four guys, it's hey, just it's such a signature. Um, don't forget All Wait. Ah, the whole album's great. Drop Dead Legs. Come on. We can sit yeah. here and talk about and, and it was only eight all the songs. Van Halen albums. It, it, it's, it's eight songs. It's very short. Yes, and one of the great album covers, "Baby New Year Smoking a, Smoking Cigarettes," <laughs> who I heard grew up too and is now sewing, uh, sewing. Oh my lord! Nice job. <sighs> who grew up now and is also suing Van Halen like the kid from the Nirvana album? No, for using his image. Yeah, I'm, I'm making that up. I mean, I'm oh. sure that I'm sure that baby. That, that's was a too painting. cool because he yeah. was from the '80s. It's also a painting. It's not an actual picture. The baby on the Nevermind cover is a real baby. With yeah, a real... Well, you make a valid point. It was a painting. Yeah. It's just but an it might have been a real kid who, who posed for it, no? Yeah, but... 
still, it, it's a finer line with that than is with the kid on the cover. I'm sure the parents gave their permission, because otherwise, he really has no standing to sue. Well, if you want to know more about the story, ladies and gentlemen, just go to our new podcast, The Van the Halen legal Honchos. honchos. <laughs> yes, The Legal Honchos. The or, intellectual or The Van Halen Honchos. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> the intellectual right, buddy. Honchos. We took two weeks off. These guys took three weeks off, but they're back. Wait, are they and, back? In, yeah, in our, our, our um, National Football League experts, ladies and gentlemen. Let's fire it up. A little uh, NFL talk here as the big draft uh, was this past weekend. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. <laughs> Fucking A. Fucking A, right. Ah! They're back. We're back. And we'll continue on with some more football talk. The um, the unluckiest woman in the world, Grace Chen, thoroughly enjoyed the musical instrument last week. Whatever oh, yeah. music was playing for the NFL, she she liked it. So, in the, in the event that these guys go on strike again, we have a good backup. Yeah, I can't mention, Grace, I can't mention what that music was because we'll probably get sued. Oh, okay. So, I mean, because we can talk over it and pretty much right. get away with it, but I can't say where I got it from. Well, you know, the FCC does say you can play music for like a minute and change as long as it's know, but for. You can't, um, you can't then say what you played, you know? At least be, I think. Uh, I don't know. It has to be, if you're making critical commentary on whatever I piece you're playing. that. Yes, I understand that. But I can't now say where I played it from. Oh, Okay. I think, but Otherwise, we'll, we'll talk to... about that on the legal honchos on next the, week. On the, on the IP honchos, on the intellectual property honchos. Um, okay, so we alluded to this before. The NFL draft was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and like a schmuck. And and yes, this time I did now, post a picture on, a second. What? on the Twitter machines. Yeah, why you got to call yourself a schmuck? I don't understand <laughs> this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, <laughs> Mr. Cooney, I'm a big fan of yours, okay? And I was also... Uh, very impressed that you actually not only took a selfie, but you cleaned up real nice for it, and you look damn you. handsome. Thank and you. You got a, had a nice angle and everything. And I saw this, and I go, "Oh my god!" It's Mr. it's Mr. Tally Cutie put up a, a a selfie on his Twitter account, and, and it, it looks fantastic. I mean, it just all you he didn't even have to title it. Anybody who looked at it said, "Handsome." And tell. it was funny. I, and I even made a joke when I said, "I'm ready for the NFL draft." And the 1980s, because wearing my 1980s vintage satin uh, NFL starter jacket. So okay, like which look like you encased that in glass, or you have that in a humidor because it was shiny and, and sparkly, oh, buddy. It never gets worn. It sits in the closet. <laughs> I take it out once. I'll tell you, if the skins ever actually make a real playoff run uh, and we make it to an NFC Championship game, you can be damn sure I will sleep in that thing. Um, but until then, gross. Uh, until then, it's going to stay. <laughs> it's going to stay in the closet, except on draft day. So I did wear it. I did watch closely, an inch from the television set. Um, and you know, once again, like I said before the draft, I'll say the same thing after the draft. Nobody really knows anything. To me, the funniest part about the draft, besides some of the the awkwardness between the players and their wives and or girlfriends. Um, at the same time, at the same time, is the, the, the draft is still fresh from the oven, still hot, still hot and steaming. 
and people want to give it a grade. Hot for teacher almost. Yes, hot for teacher almost. Grading the draft after, say, five minutes seems foolish. I know people feel the need to do it. They have to do it. But what are you really grading on? I mean, you can say were there needs to fill, was it a reach here, drafted too high there, because there's a thousand different prognosticators and a thousand different mock drafts. So how do you know really where a person was slated to go? But you're not going to know what the impact these players are going to make. We can assume better than others, but you don't know. You have to give a draft two, three years. And it's like that in any sport. Maybe not basketball because it seems like the, the players make an immediate impact. But you got to wait. Right now, we could say how the 2019 draft was because it's been three years and we know how many players uh, make it. Because, you know, uh, 200 and 300 some odd players, I don't know the number, two high twos, low threes get drafted. Not all of them, probably half of them are going to be cut by the time training camp is over. So you don't really know um, anything. I mean, yes, you can make assumptions about the guys who are picked at the very top of the draft. Although Jacksonville was Jacksonville, and instead of taking who, or everyone, who everyone thought was going to be the number one pick, they took a guy that nobody was talking about six weeks ago. Jacksonville being Jacksonville, taking Walker from Georgia. So Detroit, you know, when when a draft pick, when the team before you makes a draft pick, they say, okay, this team is now on the clock, and you know, you got ten minutes to kind of putz around till you bring the pick up to the the commissioner. As soon as Jacksonville took Taylor or took Walker, excuse me, um, the pick was in for Detroit already. <laughs> In fact, so quickly, I believe they were told, you have to wait. You can't just come running up with the pick. No <laughs> drama. Because um, they were like, Aiden Hutchinson, a Michigan boy, falling to us at number two? Yes, please. I mean, what are we waiting for? That The funniest thing to me is when, when Joe Burrow was the number one pick by Cincinnati, and everyone knew it, and they'd even have, they even negotiated a contract with him, so clearly they were going to take him, and they used their whole 10 minutes to make the pick. What exactly are you doing there? Uh, that's just drama, buddy. Holding suspense, which there is none because everybody knew you were taking. Yeah, you get to run so, a few more commercials, buddy. That's, um, hey, but let me know, ask you, did, did Coach Campbell, uh, was he there? I'm sure he was in the war room. Oh, um, so there was no video, audio like you had a Rivera, no, nothing like that? But I, I'm sure. Like, you're going to come to this team. You're going to help right. us break legs, uh, bust caps. Bite kneecaps. Yeah. yeah. If, I wish I had the phone call of that. Oh, the, the the transcript of that phone call between Coach Campbell and, and Aiden Hutchinson, because, you know, two guys cut from the same cloth, it seems like. Um, the coverage, you know, I, I have no time for the NFL Network coverage. The ESPN coverage was okay. Um, really, it, it was like you could pick from ABC, NFL Network, ESPN. Some of the coverage was good, some not so good. I don't know. I still, I'm still old school enough to like Mel Kuyper. Uh, he was in a in a t- on a TV screen because he's not vaccinated, so he can't go to Las Vegas and, you know. Wait, hold on a second. Wait, he can't, he he can't to be go vaccinated? To, where? To go to where, where, wherever they had the um, – I can't recall off the top of my head. Do they have it? I don't think they had it at the stadium. Wherever they were having the draft, to be in the to be there inside of it, he had to be vaccinated. Really? Or something Vegas? to do with – yeah, it it was a little murky, but it seemed like there yeah, were a lot well, of people. You there. could just fly over Vegas and get an incurable yeah. disease. There, I'm sure they were checking vaccine status at the door. I, he I said those days were why did they, Yeah, I'm saying that sarcastically because there was a lot of people there unmasked, and who knows if they were all unvaccinated? And they were all you know. Doesn't face, matter anymore. Cheek, it's all gone. It's, it's it went away. So there he so he was in a box. And he was like Max Headroom sitting on the stage with. Uh, 
um, Lewis Riddick and Anthony McFarlane and the insufferable, insufferable <laughs> Mike Greenberg. This is what's wrong with ESPN. They picked the most. Oh, not a greeny fan, huh? The most milk toast, bland, uh, non-controversial person who worked, who's ever worked for ESPN, and said, "We're going to make you the face of the network because you're totally neutral. You are completely non-threatening to anyone or anything." And he's just, it's too much greeny. It's too much greeny saturation. But whatever. I, I didn't want to spend an inordinate amount of time on that. So um, some teams, again, paid too much attention to the measurables, the combine measurables, the pro day measurables, and not enough time with the game film. But we did see um, all the talk about the quarterbacks being kind of a meh year for quarterbacks and all the talk about Malik Willis, who had the most upside. After Kenny Pickett was taken by the Steelers in the first round, you had to wait until the third round before any more quarterbacks were taken. And I think, again, there's a lot of it's, – it's, it's liar's poker when the draft comes. A lot of teams say a lot of things about players. You don't know if they're sincere, if they're just trying to get people to trade up and take their pick for more picks, whatever they're doing. But for all the hype over Malik Willis – um, eventually people said, well, let's go back and now look at the game film. And maybe we shouldn't, you know, use a first-round draft pick on a guy who's tremendous upside, but a lot of question marks. So you really don't know anything about how teams really feel about players until the actual day of the draft comes. You just If you can cut through all the chatter, the pre-draft chatter, and just focus on, you know, reviews of the players and, and – um, game film and kind of cut through what the teams, you know, ignore what the teams are saying is the best way to watch the draft in the weeks leading up the draft. Don't listen to players or uh, teams, you know, just kind of follow along with the mock drafters and the reporters on the NFL network, for instance. Um, not that they're much better, but what the teams say mean precisely squad douche, because ultimately we see how they really feel about players when they do or do not draft them. Case in point, Sam Howell. The talk about Sam Howell was he was going to, you know, one point, if he had come out of school last year, he may have been the number one pick in the draft, or at least high first round. He went in the fifth round. <laughs> so, you know, it just, we don't know how teams feel about these players till we actually see them get drafted. Um, and uh, one more thing, and then I'll throw it over to you. Well, just a quick question on, on that stuff that you were saying there. Um, are, are there are no um, pre draft rules between. Uh, teams and who they can communicate with it, it's, it's definitely not like the grammys where sometimes the the people already know where they're going to go they're going to get picked or is, it really, uh, is, is everything well, really spontaneous at the draft well with only well, okay in terms of knowing where they're going to go only the first pick yeah, okay. the team that has the first pick can can negotiate a contract with whoever they want um well before the draft and some teams have done that and again the case in point with joe burrow they 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 already said we're going to take you and let's get it although the contract is Contracts are set for first round for rookies, so there's no negotiation necessary, um, at least in the last 10 years or so. Um, teams are allowed to talk to whoever they want. They can they can visit. They have pro, All players have pro days, so you go to the college and you watch them work out. Um, you can bring them into your facility. I believe, I'd have to research this, but I believe there's a limit on the number of players you can bring into your facility for a visit, but you can have as much contact with anyone who declares for the draft you can contact them you just you you can't you can say i'm sure we'd like to take you 
we're thinking about taking you, mm-hmm. or, but you can't. There's no certainty after only only certainty exists with the very first pick. Then okay. after that, all the dominoes fall. So it is kind of a wild west meat market sort of thing, which is good. I mean, it should be that way. You should be able to talk to whoever you want, get as much information as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So overall, uh, did you did you mention a grade before? I think you were going to say a grade. Did you- oh well, with I, I'm only I will not grade anybody. I will say this about the team, of course, that I paid the most attention to was my own, you know, Commander skins. So how'd it go? And I thought, you know, they traded down. They, the player that I really wanted was the safety from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, or the receiver from USC, Drake London. London was taken with the eighth pick by the Falcons. Hamilton was sitting there. We were at 11. We traded down to 16, picked up this receiver from Penn State, Jahan Dotson, who's a fine player, but they could have traded further down and picked up more picks and still probably have gotten him. So if you look at when I looked at the draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday, except for the Sam Howell pick and then this kid Cole Turner, the gigantic tight end from Nevada, I was kind of underwhelmed. But then I listened to what the coaches, the general managers were saying and the report, the poor people that cover the team. And it was pretty, it made a lot of sense. It's kind of the, the 20,000 feet above ground view of it was the guys they got were all experienced, older players, 22, 23, 24 players that had a few years. In fact, this guy, Mathis from Alabama had been on the team for six seasons. I'm sorry, the running back from Alabama, Robinson, six seasons, which is hard to do when you can only really play four. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of confused there, Mr. Cuny. I think there was there's a couple of red shirts, some medical exemptions, COVID oh, okay. exemptions. But either way, he was there from 2017 to 2022. So all they, they wanted guys who had been playing for years that could come step in onto the field right away and play because this is Rivera's third year. And generally speaking, in the third year of the contract is when teams have the highest expectations of coaches, even on teams that need to rebuild. So... It makes perfect sense looking at it that way that they good, took guys that you may not have heard of, may not be flashy, may not be household names, but they're guys that they can slot in now as opposed to projects. Um, okay. So, you know, it was I'm, – I'm satisfied with that. I mean, looking at now, they got some, you know, some interesting players. And, you know, Dotson may turn out to be a great receiver. I, for one – I'm always nervous drafting receivers in the first round. You know, it's just look at such you a getting all nervous for your new commanders. Look at they're you. such a dependent. You know, I think you got a little love in there for them. Well, they are an expansion team. They need all the fans they can get. Ooh, so, all right, all right. Maybe there's a satin um, starter. No, <laughs> there's not a satin one, but there is. You know, um, what like a high school letterman's jacket looks like? They've got, yes. the, you know, yes. with the the. the Fake leather sleeves um, and the snap that go around the waist. They have a, a commander's jacket that's not yet for sale, but they have one that looks like. I have to tell you. Ooh, you look at you. You're thinking about it. It's it's very intriguing. Wow. I even I'll even go so far as to say this on our airwaves. A number fourteen Sam Howell commander's jersey would be pretty pretty sweet to, you know pick up on your Larry. You know, I like this music. I like this talk from you because I think, uh, you know, for when the fall comes back around here and we get back into the, uh, uh, the national mediocre league in full swing here, it would be fantastic if you're on board with your commanders. I, you know, I, I talk a good game, but you know, it's like trying to stay mad at your own children. How do you do it? So, but oh, we'll okay. see. It depends on how mad they make you. 
Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet. But, you know, <laughs> you know, they're always your children. There's still plenty of time for me to reach that point with them. Certainly, indeed. All right, well, uh, bravo. Uh, glad you enjoyed it. And look forward to next year's already. Yeah. So, um, and just real quick, DeAndre Hopkins suspended six games for uh, performance enhancing drugs, which is probably why Arizona. Pretty bad when you get caught off season, huh? Yeah. And it, which is why Arizona was able to, why Baltimore was able to trade Hollywood Brown for a first round draft pick, which seemed awfully high at the time, but now, hey, awfully high. See what I did there? Uh, but now I understand Ooh. what the need was, and the team that drafted the Malik, the aforementioned Malik Willis, Tennessee Titans, their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, the GOAT. That's the proper use of that word, by the way, in the context of sports. The GOAT of the playoff game last year um, said, it's not my job to mentor the new quarterback, which is such a bitchy thing to say. Uh, and then, of course, he followed up by saying, I've been in therapy since the loss, the playoff loss. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, please don't hide behind... Well, you know, we're, we're supposed to be, we, I, I, Rob, we're supposed to be very sensitive to that now. Oh, I am. But when you say something stupid um, publicly and then say, well, and also I'm going to say something bad and then I'm going to say something that will garner sympathy. So you forget that I publicly said that I'm going to be bitchy about the new guy. So that's that's it for the NFL. All right. Looking forward to that uh, training camp in Tennessee this year. Yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> see, if he, see if he's even on the team. Well, he will be on the team, but if, if what they say about Malik Willis is true, if he does pan out as a pro quarterback, then, you know, Tannehill's going to be looking for new work. All right. We'll see how it goes. But right now, it's time to head to the ice. The things are heating up. Game twos tonight. First round of the playoffs, and the NBA playoffs are rolling on. And uh, the Yankees, and the Mets, and the Dodgers, and the Angels are the four best teams in all Major League Baseball in the whole world of the entire universe. Right here in the sports, Ancho! Yes, it's time for some hardwood, hardball, and hockey talk. Well, Mr. Cutie. Let's start on the ice. You were all worried about your capitals facing these Panthers. And I told you all along to hang in there. And don't worry about a thing. And Robin went to tell everybody out in the D.C. area, who's up one nothing in that series right now? Well, the Caps are. But I, I will tell you the same thing that I feel. Well, okay, let me just let me step back a minute. Great win. Uh, they were down 2-1. to one. And this was an old school win because you know it was you had all the all the heroes from 2018 involved Kuznetsov and Oshie and Backstrom and Ovechkin, um, and 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 Vanacek had a great game. But you know they're up one nothing. Yes, they won one game. Now listening to uh, sports talk radio down this neck of the woods, people are already talking about you know facing uh, uh, whoever they're going to face in the next round. Wow, I like and, that. That's confidence. And, uh, and that's great, but. You know, let's let's just remember it's just one game. It's great as it is. It's good that you, you know you, you took the home field advantage away, the home field home ice advantage away, um, and you know winning on the road is you know they always say you don't know it, it's never a series till the first team the first road team wins. But you know it's a good win and and it's very reminiscent um, of 
if you die, you know, go back in the way back machine to 2010 when the Caps were uh, President's Trophy winners, and they had all the high flying offense, and you know, it was the the Boost Boudreau show was in full effect, and you know, they got drummed out of the playoffs by a hot goalie and the Montreal Canadiens. So um, I feel like that's kind of what may be happening here with the Florida Panthers, and let's not forget. Florida, coached by ex-capital Andrew Burnett. <laughs> you know, when I, it's funny. As a side note, at this point in my life, when I see these names, I think, God, those guys are still playing, and then it dawns me, oh, my God, they're coaches now. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just hard for me to grasp, that's all. Look so, at us. Look um, at us moving on in years. Look at us. Yep. But, yeah, that's – um. look – I, I'm happy. And they they and what the Panthers haven't won a series is this great since 1996 when they went to the Cup Finals. Yes, I believe that is true, sir. And was it the Beezer that was their goalie in '96? Yes, sir. Wow. Played the Colorado so, Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Finals and lost a, to the Colorado it's a, Avalanche. It's a long time ago. I can't be right, but hey, that for a team that was for a long time run by Brian Murray, the guy who used to run the Caps, that you know kind of makes sense. Well, the coach Murray's. I still don't believe it's as bad as the Toronto Maple Leafs and their uh, streak here, too, who, after winning game one, are now down 2-0 to the uh, back-to-back two-time Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Uh, The Bruins now are down 3-0 to the Hurricanes, and uh, if they lose that one, they'll be in trouble. Heading back to Boston, down 2-0. Buddy, you're you're burying the lead. You're not going to talk about Igor's 79 saves? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Well, I was going to say that to, to the end here. I was just going to run through some of these other scores oh, okay. here right All now right. and just, uh, just kind of wh- yeah, just kind of whip through the other series here. Um, Blues are up, uh, one nothing in that series. Uh, game two is tonight, and uh, the Wild obviously want to win that game. The the Kings stunned the Oilers, uh, or or you might say, Mike Smith had a mental breakdown there in the game the other night, and <laughs> the Kings are up one nothing in that series. And um, the Avalanche uh, scored a touchdown and more, I believe, against Preds. They're up one nothing. And <laughs> what's that? One yeah, seven two last night. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, Calgary's up one nothing. A tight game against Dallas. Uh, so kudos to Dallas for keeping it uh, tight there. Uh, and then we swing back to the New York Rangers and your beloved Pittsburgh Penguins. That, that game just ended like 20 minutes ago, right? You went right from that game to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if I sound a little tired tonight, folks, all right, it's because I was watching the New York Strangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, last night in game one where the Pens came out victorious in triple overtime with the 4-3 win. And, yes, Igor Shosturkin, Shesty baby, um, had to make – he worked real hard last night, buddy. Had to go almost an extra hour. <laughs> had to play an extra game. Which which happens in the Stanley Cup Finals. We are kind of used to this, uh, diehards. You, as a Capital fan. Uh, yeah. I, when I hear the quadruple overtime loss to the Islanders, we talked about last week, still still gives me nightmares. Um, well, 79 saves. It's the only time you're going to see a guy give up four goals like Shesty did and still have a 950 save percentage, which is what happens when you hit, when you make 79 saves. So I, I ran some numbers because that's what I do. So between the two teams. Well, between- hold on. You're, 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 hold on a second. In total, 
in total, the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins had 83 shots on goal. Right. That's what I'm saying. When you make you give up four goals and you're still have a 950 save percentage, that's a lot of work you've been doing. So between um, the Smith and is it? It's not. It's Domingue, right? That's how you pronounce the other goalie's name. It's not Dominique, right? It's Domingue. Uh, you could say Domingue. Some people say Dominique. So their two goalies had 65 saves. So we're looking at uh, you know 79, 100 and. 44 saves between these two goalies. So I, I did some, I looked at the other games that were played last night um, in the Caps Panthers game. It was 64 combined. Um, so Igor had more than two teams combined in the mm-hmm. Preds and Avs game. It was 61. And then in the flame stars game, it was just a mere 41. So your, that game last night featured more saves or almost as many saves as the three other games that took place in the playoffs last night, which is just extraordinary. And that's 79 saves, not even the record. I know, which is crazy. Which is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, that's, I was, of course, you know, when I, when sleeping. I don't the Caps, sleeping, of course. When I don't root, it doesn't matter that you're playing the pens, but when the Caps get vanquished, you know, in the playoffs, I don't mean when they get vanquished this year, but when they're out, I always root for the, uh, for you and for my pal Pat, my two Long Island pals. I, you know, I root for the Rangers. Oh, so I was, you're a nice hoping, guy. I was hoping the Rangers would pull that one off, but again, it's one game. Um, but I wonder now, when do you guys play again? When's game two? Tomorrow night, I believe. Yeah, every okay. other night. And uh, I think Domingue is starting in uh, in game two. Yeah, well, I mean, he might not. I mean, the Rangers really didn't make him work that hard, you know. I mean, uh, you know, the difference between how Shesty had to make some just incredible saves, Domingue one or two attempts there and stuff. But you know, it is what it is. Everybody in New York is scream, screaming and crying about the non, actually, the goal that was called back. Did Did you see the uh, some somebody posted on Twitter last night a uh, NHL ref wearing a Penguins jersey? <laughs> it's a fantastic picture. It really, really is. Um, so you know how do you me? think Jeff, How do you think he's going to look tomorrow night? Well, Coach Gallant today said he's fine, so I I trust Coach, Coach Gallant. It's fine. I don't know what kind of system Coach Gallant was running last night. Um, you know, Pittsburgh played a damn good hockey game last night. They always and, do in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, Tough I mean. They're a tough out no matter what. Yeah, I mean, look, look, this is, I was joking last night on Twitter with my fellow Ranger fans. I said, I'm I'm okay with this. They got three extra periods of playoff experience, this young hockey team. So um, they got an extra game in last night to get a taste of what it's like. And and it'll be great to see how these young kids come back and and play game two. I mean, that's the big thing. I think sometimes, you know, um, as, as upsetting as it was to lose the game last night, you know, I, I this is bonus stuff for as far as where this team is and how young they are, and uh, you know, Gallant. Obviously, he's not a first year coach, but the first year coach with this team and everything. I just saw, I, I you know, the, the Penguins crushed the Rangers in faceoffs last night, and they held a lot more possession. And the Rangers vets, the guys who have playoff experience, just didn't finish last night. And Chesty and the goalposts basically bailed them out. And yeah, maybe the rest made the wrong call. But I, I, that's not where I have a problem with the Rangers last night. I think they have some bigger issues, which in a playoff series, you get a chance to adjust. And I think the Rangers have enough talent. They obviously have the goaltender. 
but these guys got to step up a little bit. And I, I'm, I firmly believe they, they will. And if they do adjust, if it can straighten out the possession here, win a few face-off draws, and play a little bit that, you know better down low defensively, because I don't care what anybody says, you know, giving up 70 shots, you know, in your home building is just inexcusable. I don't care how many periods it is. I mean, that just that just shows there's a lot of issues there. And I know Lindgren got hit a little bit, hurt a little bit it's, last night too. It's, but it's 40 a game. I mean, if it's it was 83 because he saved 79, so it's you're averaging you know 41 and a half over two games, technically speaking. Yeah. Less because it was what eight minutes into the third overtime period. It wasn't. It was like it wasn't even halfway through. Right, the first. The last period, last overtime period. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't all. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. So, right. you know, you're talking in less than three games, averaging 41 and a half shots. So that's not it good. It's just surprising because the Rangers themselves have been playing, you know, that was going to be one of their, their things about how how good they can play defensively. And obviously, uh, Shesterkin and everything else. Look, Shesty is money. He's everything. You he love that. Just, You've been talking to him for years as your, your new best friend. <laughs> Well, he's just he's just unbelievable, and we joked about it here, like going from Hank Lundqvist to Shesterkin, and that was his. He played a little bit in the in the the summer tournament there. I think he got one game in against the the, the Hurricanes, but that's when Lundqvist was still on the team, and right. Georgia. But but that was his. I mean, look, he played two games last night in his first game, and he was absolutely incredible, phenomenal. And if it wasn't for him. Pittsburgh wins that game nine three or something like that. I mean, that's how it was. I and the, just and the the stat that made me chuckle today is I was looking at the numbers for that game. Um, was four four goals given up. It still had a nine fifty six percent. It's just it's just yeah. so unusual. I know, no, it, it is. You look at that and you go, something happened that doesn't happen often in this game. Oh, because it was eighty three shots that he faced. Eighty three. <laughs> just saying that, it just I can't keep a straight face. I'm like eighty three over the whole series. No, eighty three in the first game. <laughs> yeah, and then you look at the, you know, the, the time on ice from some of these guys, you know, that's uh, that's some of the insane stuff too. Guys, you know, uh, Keandre Miller, by the way, mm-hmm. was absolutely incredible last night. He had forty four minutes of ice time on the ice last night. This is this kid's first year, and Jacob Truba, um, his partner, had forty two minutes. So those are the two guys who clocked the most minutes last night. Uh, Foxy had 44 minutes too. So, you know, the three main horses in the back there obviously get the most size time defensemen usually do. But Adam Fox, who's known for, obviously, you got to have him out there for the offensive capabilities. But Keandre Miller, that kid is just incredible. He played amazing last night. And for a guy who's that tall and he has this long reach, I mean, he himself saved the Rangers last night too along with uh, Shesterkin and stuff. So, you know, I look at it like this. The, the the Rangers have a great young team here. Sometimes, you know, it's okay that they lost last night. It'll, it's Now you got to see how these guys come back. Can they beat the Penguins? Yes. But they've got to play better. Panarin's got to finish. I mean, their vets got to play better. Zibanejad. You know, but, you know, the kids got in there last night too. And I just, the thing about the all the Ranger fans getting upset about that, they mean they were just going crazy about the refs today. And to me, that argument is just pathetic. I mean, you, you got to play better. It's loser uh, talk. Yeah, it really, when, really is. It's just it, you know, if if you're the New Orleans Saints facing the Rams in the NFC Championship oh. game, then you can you can blame the refs. But just if it does, you're right. If it doesn't go your way, that kind of, that kind of stuff sort of balances itself out. 
uh, throughout I mean, the course it, of the It pretty especially. much was a bad call. I agree that the Pittsburgh defenseman took out his own goal. There's no doubt about it. But what I'm trying to get at is that, like, you know, because all the, you know, just a large percent of the Ranger fans just think, like, the NHL has it out for the Rangers and that, you know, Sid the Kid gets away with murder and all this other stuff and everything. And it's like, well, how do you not forget when we were down 3-1 to the Penguins that year we went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2014? I mean, Rangers came back and won that series. I mean, and, and Sid, Sid hasn't reached the finals in quite some time. So if he was the NHL's boy, uh, he'd be in the finals like every year. And that kid is great. I think Sid is just amazing, and he's a great player. And the fact that he's out there, him and Malkin, obviously Malkin getting the winner last night in the tip-in, they still have such a massive, massive impact on that team right now, where they are in their career and stuff like that. Well, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same in D.C. You know, Ovechkin yeah, and Baxter, at this point in their careers, they, they no matter what kind of regular season they have, and they had a, uh, Ovechkin had a great one, Baxter very good when he finally came back from injury, but they still, the reason they won that game last night was Backstrom, Ovechkin. Ovechkin playing some good defense in the playoffs, which is always good to see. Uh, your team, uh, the Rangers, are they a fairly young team? Oh, very young, if not one of the youngest teams in the league. Uh, so I asked because um, like for last year, certainly, if the Caps had played a triple overtime game in game one <laughs> with their Methuselahs on the ice, we'd be, we would just come out and just forfeit game two. Um, so you're lucky, you know, you got young guys in the ice. So playing an extra whole extra game of well, hockey t- is probably not going to impact them as much. Take these two teams right now who won game one, right? And that's, um, you take the Kings, right? They've got Kopitar, Quick, and Brown. Yeah, because, yeah. So those three guys are from the last Stanley Cup team, right? He's and retired then, at the end of the season. Yeah. And then on, on Pittsburgh, you have Sidney, Malkin, and Latang. And those yeah. three guys are still playing it, you know. And 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 the thing about LA is is Dowdy's injured, and if Dowdy right. had still been on this, uh, been able to play, and I think he, I don't think he can come back in the series. But it's just a, a phenomenal. Hey, don't credit forget about Father Time in Florida, Joe Thornton. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Well, I mean, you know, Florida's. Uh, that's let's see, but again, this is why we love the first round. I'm going to take the Rangers' loss last night. It's fine. The Rangers are they played just above and beyond. Their experience this year, they're in the playoffs. It's it's a good if you're in it for the long haul to get to the Stanley Cup Finals, you're going to lose games, and you, right. and that's what champions do. You need to lose, and then you need to fight back. It's a seven game series. Even if they go down two nothing tomorrow, they got just got to keep fighting, keep fighting, and that's how you progress. I mean, look at the look at what I mean mentally and psychology uh, psychologically what the Caps went through. All those years, and then you know, Ovi and those guys finally get to win the cup. You know, uh, you just gotta hang in there. Not and and obviously, there's so many NHLers that never get to win the yep. cup. But in this instant right now, I think um, so far so good, except for maybe the Pred fans here. Um, you know, you've got a great first round. You got a couple of good surprises in game one, and then you get to find out uh, what these other teams are made of coming back. Look, uh, Tampa Bay got crushed there in first night, five nothing. It was a lot of. Uh, it was a brutal physical uh, game the other night. Uh, fines and everything after the game, and you now have um, Tampa Bay is is up three to one now in game two. And if they all the, and then if you're on the road, all you need is a split, and then you're going back home. So, um, but it's great if you're a hockey fan. The first round is fantastic. So this is all good stuff, and so Last I'm thing good. For, do you um, do you credit this turnaround with with the coach? 
Oh, you're yeah. talking about the Rangers again? Yeah, the Rangers. Oh, look again. at you. I love this. You're uh, inquiring about my Rangers here quite a bit. I love talking about them. Um, yeah, it's it's a huge part of it. I mean, uh, I think uh, Coach Quinn, uh, he was a, a, a college coach, came in, and he was part of, uh, you know, it's funny, a lot of the fans were posting the letter that uh, Gorton and Sather had posted there about five years ago when they were going to, you know, change the organization around and start making changes, and it didn't really, they traded everybody and all that other stuff and, and made the changes. And then they fired Vigneault, and then they bring in David Quinn. David Quinn was never going to be the long-term guy, you know. And I also, uh, the guy went through, you know, he had to coach through uh, two seasons of COVID, too. And and and, uh, and an older goaltender who was deteriorating uh, in age and, and uh, ability. And then, uh, you know, where the ranges were with contracts and players and stuff like that. But Gallant has come in here. Um, and this team has matured in a very short time. They're playing very well. But I'm going to watch Gallant, though. I didn't like the system he was playing last night because the range, I think Sullivan outcoached Gallant last night. And right. I, I will trade it off. But like I said, this is a very young team. Sully's a very experienced coach. And like I said, going, but that's just my opinion. But Gallant, yeah, I mean, Gallant is a great coach. He, he I mean, a 100-point season, 50-some-odd, 52, whatever the heck it was there at the end, 51-52 wins. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily say that it was just there and Quinn. Quinn, it wasn't there. They and they finished things off um, coming in this year as far as Gallant coming in and the rest of these guys getting signs. Abanajad, Foxy, uh, Kreider was already signed. Panarin's already there. Um, and then these kids like Foxy and Keandre Miller and Lindgren. And I don't, I don't care what anybody says. You know, Shesterkin is just insane. He's going to probably win the Vesna Trophy this year. Well, I mean, a lot of things. Sometimes, like sometimes you just need a. a, a a seasoned veteran presence there. Look, the, the Caps, after they won the Cup and, and let Trotz go and had Kevin from the office, uh, Todd Reardon as their coach, he did nothing. You know, they, they looked bad, especially in the playoffs, and he's dumped over the side um, for Laviolette, and, and, and you know, that's seemed to make all the difference. I mean, I'm not just saying because of one playoff win, but just the team. It's basically the same team. They got a little younger this year. It's hard not to get younger from the team we had last year. Uh, but sometimes that just makes all the difference. Just grab the guy with some experience. And we had for years, the Caps were grabbing guys with no experience who were former players with the Capitals or guys in the, you know, in the farm system. And when they got trots from Nashville, who had years, I mean, he was their first coach and he had years of experience, you know, made all the difference. The last time they went to the Stanley Cup before the, they won in 98, it had Ron Wilson, who was a very experienced coach. Yeah. I like Johnny Wilson. Sometimes all it takes is, you know, you want to give the young guys a chance, the inexperienced guys a chance, but it seems like when you've got a playoff ready and a deep playoff team capable of a deep run, it's better to bring in the guy who's got the experience, especially, like in the case of Laviolette, if you've won the Cup before. So Yes, it's been a long time. I mean, Lavs has been there, how many, three times to the finals, right? He's been there with, um, obviously, Carolina, Philly. Philly, and Nashville. So. No, I mean, Lav is great, I and mean, we we talked about this. I mean, it all depends um, on the legs, and, and everything's got to line up. We'll see what happens. Look, the Rangers, you know, it's, we're all looking at this as the next two to three years, uh, and, you know, this is Drury's first year as GM with the, everything that changed last year after the uh, Tom Wilson incident and everything else. The Rangers picked up a couple of really good quality guys as far as uh, the trade deadline there, as far as um, Vetrano and Cop coming in here, and they're playing really well. And I, I think they'll beat the Penguins when it's all said and done as far as the the whole series goes, as long as Chesty stays healthy here and, and makes it through the whole thing. 
Um, but I, I, I don't expect the Rangers to go to the finals this year. And if they do, happy days. But I think uh, as far as the, the next couple of years for the Rangers, they look pretty good. And I think as, as far as the coaching, what you're talking about too, I think Gallant hopefully will be able to be here for the next couple of years to keep them going. Switching back to a guy like Laviette real quick, just to kind of wrap things up here. This is his third season, right? I believe with the Caps, right? Uh, let's see. 18, they won the Cup. So 19, 20, this is second. Because second. Rudin was there for two seasons, 19 and 20. I'm telling you, man, if they, if they get through the Panthers, obviously your President's Trophy winners here, so much hype. I mean, they get inside their head, and they if they Caps win this series, man. Well, that's what I was, what I was alluding to before, is that this is almost like the inverse of what the Caps went through in 2010 when they were the President's Trophy winners. And they had the high-flying offense and kind of played defense, sort of, but that's not really Boudreaux's style. Um, and then... They let Montreal get into their heads, and you know that was the end of that run. Um, so it's I think the beauty of the game, man. Well, and that's why we said the first round of the NHL playoffs, yeah. the least predictable, the most fun, because you know this for the NBA, which we'll talk about in a moment. We're essentially the capture of the eight seed, basically in the East, mm-hmm. playing the best team in hockey. And you look at that and go, "That's a nice series. It'll be over in three, you know, four games." Because you know, one and eight, that's how it goes. That's not how it is in hockey. You know, look at look at uh, the Calgary Dallas game. It was one nothing. Yeah, and you had again one seed in the North. Uh, you know, the wild card. So you can't predict. Now it does get more you know chalky when you get to the second round and so on. But that first round, man. You know, when the Caps made it to the Cup Finals in '98, um, they were the fifth seed, and luckily, miraculously, <laughs> the one through four seeds all lost. And so the Caps had home ice through the rest of the playoffs, which, you know, probably had something to do with them uh, getting game seven against Buffalo in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, to make it to the Cup. You know, playing that at home as opposed to playing in the odd, which may have been, I don't know if 97, if that building was still standing, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. No, or 98, excuse me. So some, you just you never know. It's too hard to predict. Yeah, so look, I mean, uh, buckle in here. It's it's a uh, game one and two here tonight, and so far the and they do they do overtime right. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just gonna say they do overtime. Yeah, right. you're right. No, great point. No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it was funny the first two periods, Rob. Watching as a fan, I was I was totally cool. It was it was when it got into the the later parts of the second overtime and then the beginning of the third overtime where I was like, oh, I hope they don't lose this. You know, it was weird. <laughs> And it's funny, you, you start sitting there, and I'm on the couch, and I'm thinking of all the fans that are in there, and, oh, my God, they're going to have to take the trains home from the garden. It's going to yeah. be late. There's kids in the building. It's like, it was like all these things. But then I was like, you know, oh, I hope they win because that's going to be a long train ride home, man. And, uh, you know, but it is what it is, man. I, I'm, like I said, it's first round of playoffs. It's great stuff. It's all good stuff. You know, I watch, when I, obviously, you know, my first love is football and there's, I watch a lot of it and it's rare that I'm on the edge of my seat. Now, when there's, they're lining up for a field goal that could win a game or something, you know, maybe I'll stand up and pace a little bit in the last minute as the clock is running out. But when I watch playoff hockey, especially when it's my team and it's overtime, I am literally, if I'm even sitting, I'm right on the edge of the couch because you never, (laughs) the whole thing is a nail biter. There's no relaxing. It's completely stressful, which is great. I mean, stressful in a great way. I just watch it differently than I watch any other sport. I mean, especially, as you said, if, if I was a Ranger fan or a Pens fan last night watching, I would either be pacing around, like, you know, the year that the Caps beat uh, Boston, um, 
in the playoffs, and I can't remember the guy's name that scored the winning goal, but it was a there was a lot of racism against him that year. It was like 2015, 2014. I was walking around behind the couch the whole time in that last game of that of that series. I could not sit down. Well, let me ask you that on that because I was that came in. You into never my, uh, know when the game is going to end. But do you have a? Um, yeah, why can't I remember that guy's are name? Are you superstitious about certain things? Like you know, when you watch the Caps that year when the finals run, like you had to if you sat in a chair a certain way, or if you watched it in a certain thing, or like if you if you you know either had your hat on or your hat off. Do you have any of those superstitious no. things when you watch a game? But what's funny with me, with and only with the Caps, not with any other sport, um, when they're in the playoffs, believe it or not, I almost feel like when I watch that I'm jinxing them. <laughs> well, seriously, there oh, that's are, no good. That's not healthy. During the, during the cup run, I, I watch very little because as they got more and more successful, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to – it was weird. I mean, I watched, but not – Weirdly, not as not as closely as I mean as I thought I would because I was like, ooh, I don't want to jinx it because all the years that I watched religiously, they flamed out, and now, you know, maybe the difference is me. Obviously, it's not the case, but you get the idea. So that's my only real superstition um, is I sometimes I can't watch, I can't do it. Yeah, uh, like for I'll, me, I'll follow like... on my phone, get the highlights, but I can't watch. Um, I had a buddy of mine during the, the 94 run, right? He had to get in his car. Once it went into overtime, he couldn't watch it. He used to get in his car. And it's funny, down here on Long Island, there's this uh, highway that's called the Loop Parkway, and it takes you down p- to, towards the beaches. Mm-hmm. And it uh, and there were quite a few games that went into overtime between the Devils and Vancouver and all that stuff, the run there in 94. And, uh, yeah, he would, he would grab his keys, he'd get in the car. And we'd, we used to joke, Joey's heading on the loop. You know, I was just saying, like, last night I was sitting a certain way. And I was like, all right, well, I, maybe I should move so they'll get a goal. But then again, oh, but I stay this way and they, it, it's still tied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I always wear, when I go to Caps games, and it's been a while, for a long time I always wore the same outfit, same jersey. Oh, as long as it wasn't the same, same underwear. Oh, I always wear the same underwear, period. I mean, you know, <laughs> it saves me money. Or I just go Washington. No, Command. don't say <laughs> Washington Commando. So, wow, we spent a lot of time talking, which is fine. That was, All right, uh, let's move on to the NBA. Uh, it's almost over, right? The, the NBA championship is next week. Uh, close. You know, okay. this is that strange year where the strange year where uh, the basketball playoffs are far more advanced than uh, the NHL playoffs. Usually, they're neck and neck. Um, you know, we're down to the final eight um, in the semifinals. Um, they just started, so Miami is up one nothing on Philadelphia. Boston, Milwaukee tied one one. Uh, Golden State, Memphis tied one one, and Phoenix is up on Dallas one to nothing. And like you said, um, you know, as long as you get a split at home, there's no reason to panic. Um, Boston got worked by Milwaukee in Game One in the Garden, and as did Memphis by Golden State, losing by one point. And they both came back in Game Two and tied up the series. So we tend in basketball or in hockey, even in baseball, the first game takes on way more importance than it should. You give it too much credence when you win, too much credence when you lose. Um, and the next game comes and all the emotion that was up here that nobody can see my hand is now way down here. Um, I think the most entertaining series is going to be uh, Phoenix and Dallas with uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I believe is injured. Um, and Luka Doncic for, uh, for Dallas, that should be a very high flying series. Uh, the best player in the end. And, and what's great about this, the playoffs, is we're talking about guys 
I mean, yes, Steph Curry, Giannis, we talk about them all the time. But now we're seeing stars like John Moran, who could be the best player in basketball right now, the most exciting player playing for Memphis. So it's nice that that team advanced. Um, so far, it's looking like the Golden State Memphis series will be uh, tightly contested. But you got you know it got old, a little hot there the other night. Yeah, you got old school Steph Curry, you know Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Plus, you got a little new blood with this kid Jordan Poole um, up against you know John Morant, who many people he was an afterthought. He was drafted number two behind Zion Williamson, who you know was the consensus number one pick. And then people thought of, you know, John Morant was like a consolation prize because Memphis didn't win the lottery. But so far, you know, John Morant's career has taken off. Now, you know, part of this is Zion Williamson's injuries, but it's looking like, you know, Memphis might have gotten the real prize after all. It's not much the consolation prize. Um, Boston-Milwaukee is is defense versus offense. Classic, you know, high-flying offense versus a gritty defense. Although they're, they really are. I mean, to me, they're – Boston is the best team in the East, but, you know, really you can make that case about uh, Milwaukee or Miami as well. But the Miami-Philadelphia series, you know, Embiid right now is out with uh, the orbital issue and the concussion that just sort of came out of nowhere. Um, It was days after the last game they played um, in the um, Toronto series. It came out that he's out from a concussion that sort of took everyone by surprise. So who knows? It's hard to see how that series is going to, going to turn out um, because Philadelphia, until they get Embiid back, and you know Harden as, as a shell of his former self is not really the one to lead that team anywhere. But you know Miami is very unpredictable, so that series could very well go seven games, even if Embiid doesn't return for it. So the the, the series out west, which when we were growing up was always the more entertaining conference. Those are the ones to really watch. Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State, Memphis. Um, I think when all is said and done, um, it's either going to be Milwaukee or Boston out of the East. I don't think whoever wins the Miami-Philadelphia series will get past the winner of the Milwaukee-Boston series. And as much as I'd like to see Phoenix, I'd like to finally see Chris Paul <laughs> um, get himself a championship and actually stay healthy through the playoffs and not have you know be snake-bitten as he's been. Um I think ultimately it's the Memphis Golden State winner that will face the um, Milwaukee Boston winner in the. Did you see that exchange uh, today between uh, Christopher Man, Doug Russo, and JJ Redick? No. All right. Well, uh, then what you do is tonight or tomorrow, just search uh, Mad Dog Russo. Oh, wait, so I had to write that down. I got the Obi Wan trailer and yes. the Dog Russo, JJ Redick exchange. Stephen A. Smith was all on. Um, uh, first take on ESPN this morning, and um, it had to do with um, the Golden War, uh, you know, Golden State last night and the Grizzlies. Uh, Draymond Green, he got struck in the eye, and then uh, as he was departing, he flipped the bird to the crowd, and then they had commentary about it today oh, on the show. So what you should do is is watch it. Uh, you can look it up on Twitter, and a couple of people uh, put the full exchange on there. I'll actually I'll shoot you a, a text or something later. Thank you. And then you'll you'll it might be a good discussion for us next week. I'll tell you, uh, Christopher uh, Christopher Chris Russo has been uh, kind of a cool addition to first take on ESPN well, because he said he, he was a little he stupid. really gets into it with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, now some of this his takes are they're kind of out there, but you know it's nice to see. It's basically Stephen A. Smith and Stephen A. Smith arguing with each other. Uh, well, you watch. You got to watch what happened today. Okay. 
and I'd love to get your take on it next week. All right. Well, and it might, it might, you might even make it guy. part of the dope of the week next week. Hey, 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 let's yeah, not. I know, uh, but let's not Sam. get out of sorts. All right, pal. So there's your NBA playoff situation right now. Yeah. And, and just quickly, it's, I, how do I say this as respectfully as possible? It's sort of nice and refreshing to have a playoffs where we're not discussing the implosion of the Lakers. <laughs> you know, we're we're talking about other teams that are doing just great and just fine and 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 as you said, you know, we really are it's time to start focusing on more of the positive and more of the players that are up and coming, not the players that sort of cast a shadow over the entire NBA. So it's you know kind of refreshing. You know, yeah, no disrespect to LBJ, but this is kind of a refreshing uh, playoffs. No Durant, no Kyrie Irving. It's kind of like you know we we sort of out with the all the negative air, all the negative energy has been pushed out of the playoffs. And now we got nothing but positive vibes. So you know, keeping it positive. What's going on in the hardwood? Rooting, rooting for Phoenix. I want you know Chris Paul to not be denied yet again, and he's got like a great it. team. So I like that choice. I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right, uh, you want to talk a little baseball? Um. Sure, we can talk a little baseball. What do you think of the season so far? Um, well, you know, uh, my team is eight and sixteen, eight and seventeen, somewhere in the neighborhood. But bizarrely, last year they couldn't pitch their way to a paper bag. Last year they were they were, they, were, they were relying on Matt Harvey, which tells you how bad the Orioles' pitching situation was this year. the The offense is sound asleep. Guys hitting like two oh five, two twenty, two thirty. Um, but they're pitching lights out, which is why they've won eight games, which to me, usually it's June before they've won their eighth game. So uh, nothing but uh, <laughs> nothing but positivity uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, of course, it 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 rankles me that, uh, you know, Buck Walter is doing what he does. He goes he gets drummed out of one team, goes to another and has success. Um well, I mean, oh, let yeah. me ask you real quick. I don't want to delve on it too much. But as far as the lineup he has in New York as compared to the lineup he had when he was in Baltimore, I mean. No, it's it's look, he needs he needed a team that was more of a veteran team, experienced team. The Orioles need a guy like Brandon Hyde, who's a young manager with a lot of players that are not household names or farm system kids. As we continue to wait for Weichman and Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall and all of our great players coming up through the system and Mike Elias. They what they needed. Baltimore made a concerted effort to say we're going to get rid of the Dan Duquettes and Buck Shaw Walters guys who are old school. I'll put that in quotes for people who are more analytics based, and that's what who Elias and Hyde are. So they're better for the Orioles as currently constructed. I just, you know, there's always a part of me. It's like, gosh, I wish we could have done more with Buck Showalter. He's a great manager. Uh, but he's one of those guys that seems to get close, and then they bring in somebody else behind him, and, and they take over the reins and, and take the team over the hump. So Met fans, Showalter's going to get you right. You're going to be able to see the mountaintop, and then your next manager will take guys over the hump, if that indeed is uh, your fate. I'll be at City Field, by the way, Father's Day weekend. A what? The CMS game. I've never been to City Field. Why are you coming to New York on Father's Day? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Father's Day weekend. I'm coming Saturday. I'll be back for Father's why, Day. Why, why is this the first time hearing this? 
Because I be, are you gonna be in my backyard and you're only telling me now? Well, I just went on the whole thing last week about you letting me know when you come into town. Well, and, it's just, and then it's, you just casually let me know now that you're gonna be in New York Father's Day weekend. It's just coming. It just came together a couple days ago. And how come I didn't get a text once it was finalized? You live near City Field. You I'm live twenty on, minutes away. I'm not going to be anywhere near you. Fine, I will give you seat information and game information. Come meet us there outside the stadium. Who are they give playing us... that weekend? Good question. I don't know. I don't know. All right, listen, no. that's June 12th, 13th, right? Something like that? June 10th? What is that? Second, third week? I believe. Uh, it's the third Sunday in June. Yeah, Mets are probably in last place by then. Yeah, or... um. Right. There'll be some catastrophic industry. Speaking of which, uh, how badly did they want to get rid of Frankie Lindor that the Mets are eating his $40 million? No, not Lindor. Robinson Cano. I'm sorry, Robinson Cano, not Lindor. How how desperate are they, thank you, that they're eating his $40 million contract? Well, the Mets like to eat contracts, Bobby Bonilla. Thank you. I mean, that's just, you know that you're not wanted. And the team's like, mm, we'd rather pay forty million bucks to not have you on our team. It just goes to show you how much money Mister Cohen has. Yeah, he has a lot. He has quite the bank account. And it's it's nice to uh, be able to root for Max Scherzer finally. Who now I can admit, God, he's a great pitcher. Always admired him, but when he played for the hated Nationals, I couldn't publicly express my any thoughts I, on the it, uh the strike zone stuff that's going on the uh obviously the last two nights the the, the umpires checking the fingers and well look let, let, can we talk about what happened with schwarbs and angel hernandez that we didn't get to last week yeah sure sure oh. sure sure oh but can, before i just want to say tip of the cap to dusty baker three thousand wins yeah, that's uh impressive i mean it really is three is it three thousand or two thousand <laughs> i think it's two thousand six thousand wins Six thousand? No, it's two thousand, right? So, um, a couple weeks ago, I, well, fourteen thousand wins. He's got a hundred thousand wins. It's a record that will ne'er be broken. Um, Schwarber called third strike for a ball that was kind of high, and since it was Angel Hernandez behind the plate, uh, once again, and and Schwarber went nuts. A guy who. I saw it, man. It was one. I love it. They should turn him into a sitcom. Doesn't go knuck and futz like that. Um, it, a floating strike zone. Look, you can't have it. You can't have uh, figure skate judging subjectivity in a sport that's very objective, like baseball. And and it's once again. I know not everybody's as bad as Angel Hernandez or Cowboy Joe West, but once again. If the strike zone isn't uniform, which it's supposed to be, it's not a strike zone based on your height or based on the umpire's feelings. It's once again another argument that maybe you need the dreaded robo-ump. Never. Look, you're making other technological nope. changes to speed the game up, and I know I'm not necessarily saying I'm in favor of that, but I hate the fact that a strike for one ump is not a strike for another. You know, it, it, it should be here's the strike zone, not – Angel Hernandez has his that kind of floats around between head and knees, where other umps have a tinier strike zone. I mean, if you watch that, that was just, that was a ball, and yet the one for Schwarber, and he's got a pretty good eye, although he, you know, pretty good, not great, but he's got a pretty good eye. But as soon as you see the slow motion, 
That was the bone. Don't say, well, you know, the speed of the pitches and it's a, ju- it's a judgment call. Okay, well then don't be an umpire. <laughs> if you can't make a snap. But it's a great just, gig. You got you went this off. You know? It's just, you know, I, I one re- the reason I don't in the Olympics like figure skating or gymnastics besides <gasps> that I don't know what I'm watching is I like a clear winner. I don't want to be, you know, left up to the judgment call of somebody. I like, you know, if you put the biscuit in the basket, as they say, it's a goal, period. You know, unless you've stepped into the crease or your skate goes over the line, whatever. But, you know, same thing. If it's a, you get the ball in the end zone, it's a touchdown, unless you stepped out of bounds. Those are objective things. You know, in tennis, you've got the lines. The ball hits inside the lines, it's in. Outside the lines, it's out. It's not, well, it looks like it was kind of sort of in the strike zone, so I feel like calling it a ball, but I don't like you, so I'm going to call it a strike. That's my problem. That's the biggest, to me, bigger than the the pitch clock issue and batter stepping out of the batter's box and the shift, whether or not to have the shift, don't have the shift. The biggest problem in baseball is the subjective floating, rotating strike zone. And Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think it it's is, a lot of bitching and moaning, to be honest with you. I mean, for all the, it doesn't happen all the time. It's, it's you know, of all the games, of all the pitches that come over the plate, you know, nobody – how about all the bad pitches that batters swing at? <laughs> but that – well, but yes, true, but at least that's a strike. If you swing and misses something – Well, it was matter. a ball. You shouldn't have swung at it because it was actually a ball. Well, that's – but that's different, though. Oh, I mean, it's different. If, oh. if, you, if you're a batter and you could you swing You understand at a, what I'm saying, right? So a guy's sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. He chooses not to swing at a pitch. Right. And, okay, it's outside the, the, uh, the strike zone – and like I said, he goes he goes crazy the other night. What about nights when you're standing there and a guy sits there and he lets it and he watches and he'll look at a strike or he'll swing at something that's too hard or he'll swing at a ball that's in the dirt. You know? Do you understand what I'm getting here? You make a big deal about the umpires and robot ums and, and then it's human because you might as well put a robot up there hitting the ball. Yeah, and you know what? I agree that when I see when the game is on the line, bottom of the ninth, and you're up at bat, and the bat stays on your shoulder with runners on base. I, I, I don't care. The ball could be, you know, in the next county. You got to take a swing at it if it's anywhere close. But it's it's more cut and dry. I mean, that's a whole different story. Why is a batter swinging or not swinging? I don't but, think so in this but, conversation. I really don't think so. But when the when you do look at a pitch, and you you know a guy like Juan Soto again, I hate to talk about the Nationals, but he's got one of the best eyes in baseball. And I think that also colors how an ump calls the game. He's like, well, this guy never swings at bad pitches. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt as opposed to a batter that's a, a, just a hacker. But I think calling balls and strikes, the control you have over the outcome of a game, by your judgment, when someone lets a pitch go by, we may say, why didn't you swing at that? But if it's a ball and it's a, clearly a ball from, from every other angle – but it's not in the strike that particular strike zone of the umpire. That's worse, I think, than a batter just saying, I'm not going to swing at this pitch, or I'm going to swing at a pitch that's way outside of the strike zone. Again, if you swing and miss, it's a strike. It doesn't matter where the ball was. Um, I don't know. I think it's just, it's 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 way more. And first of all, the game's been around since the freaking 1800s, right? It's, it's just been played this way. I mean, I think, you know, kids go through Little League before you get to the, you know, college and then to the majors and stuff. So... You play your whole career with a human behind the plate. And, you know, if you're an umpire, and unless you sat back there and actually called the game or whatever, 
and you have the four-seam fastball, you got the slider, you got the curveball, um, you got the knuckleball, you have all these different... Could you imagine sitting there and watching all different forms of pitches coming in across the plate as a human being and just... And then, like I said, depends on where the catcher's putting his mitt, where the batter's standing in the batter's box. There's about, I don't know, 25, maybe 30 different calculations that are going on at the same time. Wind, you know, the time of the year, if it's early in the season as opposed to a hot game in July, you know. I mean, there's so many things that are going on, I think. And I think, like I said, these guys have been playing, these hitters have been playing baseball for years. And you bring up Soto, you bring, some guys can handle it better because, you know, the, the incident the other night with Schwarzer and stuff like that, he, you know, he, he lost his nut. And I watched that game. And yes, I will agree. It was, it was a little all over the place. But I think ultimately what I'm getting is that's not game in. It's not game out. It doesn't make the headlines every day. With all the games that are played year-round, yeah, you're going to have a couple of awful called games here and there because they're human. Just like you're going to have guys that go into um, hitless streaks. Uh, you got guys who can't throw a strike. You got a closure that can't come in and close a game. These are all human, and I think when it gets thrown on the umpires and, and making close calls, I mean, there was a call the other night uh, with third base. I can't remember which game it was. In the, it was in the Yankee game, and the, uh, the, the, the they carried themselves over third base, and the third baseman called the guy out because he, he went over the bag, um, and that was you know. But it's it's all part of the game. But I just think it's been around, and I think if you throw in robot umps, then like I said. Start throwing in robot pitchers. <laughs> Start throwing in robot yeah, and, batters. You know what? Because they're you, all not perfect. That's the beauty of baseball. Right. But, but I, to, I, yeah. to your point about all the different pitches that come in, you know who else has to know all the different pitches that come in? The batters. And, yes, baseball's been around a long time, but it's probably gotten a lot more subjective in terms of an umpire is involved in literally every pitch of the game, mm-hmm. whereas – other officials in other sports aren't, and even other officials in baseball aren't. I guess technically the first well, base. Well, I mean, I, I think so NF, you have I, such control I, over the game, and if your strike zone is there's one strike zone, letters to knees. You know, we've known that our whole life since we were playing baseball as kids, and you can crouch down and make your strike zone as narrow. It's funny, I, I'm, well, I have. I'm sorry, I have the Yankee game in the background, right? And <laughs> pitch just came in that was way low outside. And he um, called it a strike. Yeah, see, Booney's out there tearing him a new ass. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and by the way, I, I have utmost respect. I don't know how they do it. The guys that call baseball games, when they call, like when they say that was a slider, and I'm like, you're hundreds of feet in the air, far away. I mean, so I guess they must have someone on the field that relays that information up to them. But how they can tell what pitch has been thrown from up in the booth? Yeah, I'm with you, man. Even watching on them, I'm like, how do you know? I'm at, now, now, of course, how do I know that they really the pitcher really did throw a slider? It could just be saying, hey, he threw a slider. But that, to me, the four seam fastball. Oh, right, man. it must be easy to call a baseball game because it moves at such a slow pace. Well, no, not really. Um, you still have to know your stuff. I'll tell you, I would never though want to be like a basketball or a hockey announcer. It's just, it's too much happening at one time, but mad respect for the, the guys that call baseball games and are able to tell you exactly what kind of pitches thrown. Not just say, hey, there's the pitch. You know, they tell you slow ball, slow ball, curve ball, slider, as you say, a four seamer, 
the knuckle. Well, the knuckleball is easy. Anybody could spot what a knuckleball is being thrown. Well, I think I think you know it's funny you bring that up. I think in uh, again, again I'm, my love of baseball has come in this year the last couple of years, and I've been watching more of it than I you know probably even more than I've been watching hockey. Even like right now, just things were going on. I just kind of got it's just the way it is. But I do have an appreciation for it, and 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 also being a little league coach this year too. You know, baseball is a slow game. And obviously that's been a big conversation of, you know, them trying to speed the game up. And did you see that stuff in the um the minors there? The double A or the triple A where they're calling the guy out in the batter's box for taking too long? No, but oh. uh, uh, you know what? Um this is what I say to that. No, 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 no. It's bad. No. It's bad. It's bad. Look, baseball moves at a deliberate pace. It's not a slow game. It's a deliberate game. There's a difference, which we can get into another time. But um, look, it's, yeah. it's, by the way, do you feel before we, we, we move on to the DOT dubs, do you feel like I do like sports after a two year absence is finally back as it's where it should be? It is kind of this sort of a return to normalcy with the playoffs and then the games in the season, the regular playoffs. They're kind of now rounding back into their normal spot in the sports calendar. Oh, buddy, it's it's so back to normal because I'm watching Booney and the ump just nose to nose, breathing and screaming and spitting on each other. It's like, and that's you know what? That's how that's how sports should be played. But spitting I mean, just on each coming other. out of the pandemic, right? Yeah. I mean, face we could face, we couldn't no even, we couldn't go near each other. It's fantastic. And these guys are breathing on each other and spitting on each other. Hey, look! I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, yeah, it's 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 back. It's great, and like I said, even myself being in the entertainment industry here and and seeing concerts get sold out again, and and getting back to work myself in terms of getting out and performing, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's back. It's great to see the fans in the stands. It's great to watch the, the the NHL playoffs last night. It's great to watch the NBA playoffs. It's great to watch the NFL draft last week. It's it's all good stuff. I mean, even March Madness was fantastic. I mean, when you yep. sit back and and we joked. I mean, what? Not that we joked, but you know, it was something there that we all went through watching the games uh, with nobody in the stands. And when you watch it on TV, and when you miss something, and you say, ah, "Yeah, I could probably get used to this. Don't, I don't really need the fans and stuff." But man, when you see it all come back now. It really, it's just so part of the human experience, uh, as is music and entertainment, going to a concert, and then watching uh, sports being played, and um, just seeing the fans get into it. I will tell you this, and I guess it's probably just because of social media too, man, uh, And because we, we, we never saw this years ago, but I got to tell you, man, the, just the drunken fights, uh, the shit that went on at the end of the Yankee game there... Um, a week or two ago, which was just awful with uh, when the Guardians were in town. Um, and what sucked about that was a lot of the media outlets out of town were just saying, like, the Yankees fans are the worst fan base. You know, it's like whenever something happens in a city where a small group of fans do something stupid, they they just generalize it and make it's like it's the whole fan base. I would say the most people that were, were upset about what those yahoos did in the stands that day when they threw the beer cans on the field – were, uh, fellow Yankee fans were like just we were just so embarrassed and so angry and so pissed off and we were you know yeah. but th- and again I, I only bring that up because it's amazing because you just see all the drunken fighting that's going on in the stands it's not all the time but um, I just laugh at humanity sometimes Rob so you asked me a simple question I think it's back it's great but man um, 
there are some really stupid humans out there who just, yep. it's just unbelievable. Anyway. And there will be again yes. each week. So we'll pick up the stupid human conversation again. That's the best part. That that That's a topic that never goes away. For All good right. We're ready Speaking to of stupid humans, how about that for a All right. segue? You know what it's, it's time? Time Dope of the Week! Dope of the Week. That's awesome, dude! You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And speaking of staying the same, the Gags Gang and I, that's right, they're back and better than ever. Spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner, and you... Mr. and Mrs. Podcast Listener. For absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Please to be using the hashtag DOTW on Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Go Sports Media Co. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week cup around the ice rink of shame this week? Dramatic pause. Rick Garboski. Head golf professional at the Golf Development Complex. I love it when the golf guys make it in the DOT. In Southern California. Now, you must be wondering, is he really spotlighting a PGA club pro with 30 career victories in PGA-sanctioned events, which is not nearly as impressive as that sounds? Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Garboski last month qualified for the Hogue Classic. In Newport Beach, California, it is Garboski's first time qualifying for a PGA Champions Tour event, which was formerly called the senior tour. Garboski now has a total of one Champions Tour appearance, one cut made, and career earnings of $1,160 on the Champions Tour. During the second round of the Hogue, played at Newport Beach Country Club, Garboski had the misfortune of taking a delay of match penalty. Why the delay? Inappropriate conduct? A fight between players? Did Garboski and Happy Madison get in a fight with Bob Barker? No to all of those. The cause was simple. No balls. I will wait for the jokes to subside. Yes, a golfer ran out of balls. I do not play golf, but even I know that golf balls are kind of a key ingredient in the whole golf experience. The object of golf is to get the little white ball in the hole. There is no zen component where you visualize the ball going into the hole. You need the equipment. Balls are almost as vital to the game of golf as plaid knickers and inappropriate comments about Saudi Arabia. (laughs) The second round that day at the Hogue Classic... Started off okay, and then came the fourth hole. After hitting two balls off the tee into the penalty area and taking two penalty strokes, Garboski reached into his sack for his next ball and pulled out. That's what she said. Nothing. No ball. Only shame. Garboski was using Titleist Pro VIX left dash golf balls. Question. Is that like Twix? Is there a left dash and a right dash? Okay, moving on. There is no rule against changing golf balls, but only after completing the hole. You must use the same brand while still in the current hole. So Grabowski, I'm sorry, Garboski, had to send someone back to the locker room to find more Titleist Pro VIX left desk. unaware of that rule. Name balls. By the time new balls were retrieved, Garboski had to join another group playing behind him, which resulted in the one-stroke match delay penalty. When you add it all up, Garboski's balls cost him three <laughs> total penalty strokes on one hole. Here is a clip. That's right. A clip of Garboski's reaction when he was told of the penalty and the penalty strokes. They just fuck you, and they fuck you, and they fuck you. <laughs> you just, you think it's all over. That's a real fucking start. <laughs> he was uh, 
He was clearly upset. Oh, my God. Clearly upset by this ruling. The best part of the story is the reason for the missing balls. PGA pros have a seemingly endless supply. A seemingly endless supply. Thank you. Of uh, golf balls from sponsors. It is unheard of to run out of balls while playing. Did Garboski underpack? Was he so confident uh, that he was... So confident, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, Was he so confident that he packed only one sleeve of golf balls for an entire tournament? Uh, No, sir. Uh, Garboski, clearly a man of charity and a man of the people, was so excited to have qualified for his first Champions Tour event that he spent the week leading up to the tournament giving out souvenir balls to young fans attending the practice rounds. He gave out so many balls that he forgot to keep enough for himself. And you wonder why I think charity is for suckers. Recently, Garboski gathered for lunch with some of his friends to discuss what happened at the Hogue, including the lost balls. The H-team, ah yes, the H-team, was there to capture the sounds from that meeting. You will not believe where one of those golf balls ended up. The sea was angry that day, my friends. Oh, no. Like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. <laughs> I got about 50 feet out and suddenly the great beast appeared before me. I tell you, he was 10 stories high if he was a foot. As if sensing my presence, he let out a great bellow. I said, easy, big fella. <laughs> and then, as I watched him struggling, I realized... Something was obstructing its breathing. From where I was standing, I could see directly into the eye of the great fish. Mammal. Whatever. (laughs) What did you do next? Then, from out of nowhere, a huge tidal wave lifted me, tossed me like a cork, and I found myself right on top of him, face to face with the blowhole. I I could barely see from the waves crashing down upon me, but I knew something was there. So I reached my hand in. Felt around and pulled out the obstruction. <laughs> what is that, a title list? Ah, that's fantastic. There's the payoff for you. Uh, By Uh, the way, Garboski ended up finishing second to last at the Hogue Classic. And who knows how high he could have finished if he actually had some balls. (sighs) So, Richard Garboski, for giving new meaning to the phrase, there is no such thing as bad publicity, for slowing down an already impossibly slow game, and for senselessly losing more balls than John Bobbitt, you are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Dick. Your certificate is in the mail. Congratulations, buddy. Ah, that's a good one, man. Good stuff. Thank you, Golf one, man. Look at you, man. Look at you. I thought it was going to be some kind of Star Wars thing today. but No, it's just the only Star Wars thing you had for today, of course, was... So there you go. That's as I faded, as I pot it down for us. It's so. a great... Great reminder of my childhood, that, that, that yep. theme music. Can't go wrong. Mr. Cooney, as always, you have outdone yourself. Hey, before we sign off, because I forgot to bring it up during the hockey segment, um, 
I want a uh, big shout-out to the NYPD and the FDNY here. They had their big annual uh, hockey game at the UBS. I Arena. saw that. I saw the picture you put. Was that the fire department, the FDNY sweater that you were wearing? Yeah, that, that was, was actually the, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 jersey, um, which I bought uh, as a donation because uh, they raised money, obviously, for um, – for all the firefighters and, and a lot of them, you know, it all goes to good causes uh, to, you know, when their health coverage can't cover certain stuff and anything else. But um, that's the the jersey I'm wearing is it, it's the number 20 for the 20 years. And right. on, the, on the 20 in the back are all the 343 uh, names of the firefighters who passed away oh, on 9-11. Cool. All right, cool. Uh, but that, that's I know nice. what you're saying, bro. I know. Yeah. It's a gorgeous jersey. Uh, I love it. But anyway, um, the uh, the game was sold out. I, uh, me and my band, actually second year, uh, second game in a row. Now we played the after party for FDNY, uh, and they won in overtime. And uh, I want to just shout out to Frank and all the guys from the uh, FDNY for uh, the great. They gave me a VIP tickets. Me and my buddy, we went. And, uh, but the atmosphere in the arena, um, seeing all the, you know, it's all fire department, police department, families and friends. And obviously, uh, a lot of the, um, you know, the the, uh, the members of, of both departments uh, there. It was just fantastic to be a part of. Beginning of the end, they did a whole um, memoriam for everybody. We just recently lost a firefighter here uh, in, in the Rockaways, uh, from the Rockaways here in New York, a uh, firefighter client who just passed away uh, right before the game, actually, uh, a couple of days. So the, and then all the, when you see all the firefighters and police officers who have died from uh, 9-11 sickness, um, and even COVID this last year, and obviously line of duty deaths and everything else. Uh, it, it's really humbling, and uh, it was amazing to be a part of, and I just I can't say enough about the atmosphere of the fans and um, the Islanders organization. Uh, you know, the, the, the Rangers organization had them at the Garden there for the 20th anniversary of 9-11, obviously, in the city. Uh, the Islanders did an amazing job here, and all the guys in FDO, everybody's a part of it. It was just a phenomenal experience to be with. Anybody who's listening from New York, Long Island, go to this game. Um, the tickets raise money. It all goes to a good cause. And the game was actually a ton of fun. These guys were great, uh, great stuff. And then we partied with the FDNY afterwards uh, with the trophy and stuff, and it was a lot of fun. So I just wanted to acknowledge them and thank them for all they do here in New York and protecting all of us out here. Woo! All right. All right, so, so you know what? I, I, no, I'll I'll uh, I'll give him this. Okay. Sincere gratitude and applause from the heart of our bottoms. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. As always, the Honchos, we appreciate your audience. Make sure you follow us everywhere at Sports Honchos, and make sure you hang out with me and Mr. Creamy on the Twitter land uh, or you know Elon Musk's uh, new uh, social media platform. Musker. we're gonna call it Musker. Yes, baby. I hope so. Uh, but uh, this is Great stuff as always. Loving this stuff. we we'll back here next week, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, again, for me, thank you so much. And may the fourth be with you. And Rob, please, say goodnight to the folks. All right, everybody. You know the drill. Subscribe, follow, listen, love us, show us some love and respect and some force. As in the force of Star Wars, not on force. Um, you know. Say the same thing every week. There is no show without you, so we thank you very much. All respect, all gratitude, much love to you all. Speaking of love, you know what to do if you see Willie Mays or any of Willie Mays' family. He's still with us as of the recording of this show. Uh, another big weekend coming up. It's Mother's Day weekend. We'll have a full Mother's yes. Day week next week, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and all the mother out there as well. <laughs> uh, you know, 
Be kind to each other. Love each other. Be safe out there. As always, Ow! And as always, thanks to the Deep Button Down Network. Achos! All right, here.